Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Day. Star Trek's edition. Volume 70. I'm Matthew. I'm just, you know, normally we're pretty upset that we have to do this. I'm trying to bring a little bit of energy. That's great. You know what my favorite thing about that was? Mm. You could have just, done, just downloaded no. that soundtrack and no. actually inserted that. No. No. <laughs> no, actually, I couldn't. I couldn't have done it. Don't ask why. I well, just you would have had to. It. You would have had to set up your whole shit so that you could play sounds. I couldn't do it because I'm um, getting over a cold, and because my back hurts, and um, I got a little bit of headache, and um, it's uh, humid in here. <laughs> so there are lots of reasons I couldn't do that. So what you're saying is you're about to have just an amazing three hours. <laughs> That's right. It's gonna just go by like nothing, and it's not gonna be a problem at all. Um, no, I'm like, let's stay positive. It's going to be really good. It's going to be good. All the episodes were good. I remember watching them and thinking they were good. So, um, as always, it was the last place episode last week is what we are going to start with. In this case, it was Enterprise because all that build up to Azadi Prime kind of, kind of didn't land. No, so well, far. We'll see if they did. We'll see if they did any better this week because it is a direct continuation from last week's events. Yeah, we watched Damage. Okay, we're in the middle of a big space fight. Oh no! When all of a sudden, all of those Zindi ships that were attacking Enterprise stop firing and head back to the planet. Okay. Enterprise is fucked. It's just floating in space. They don't even have thrusters. Yep. It's a bad scene. It turns out that the attack was called off by Degra. And he tells the Dolim, I think is the name of the that's reptilian. What, that's what you said last week. I remember yeah. that kind of from the, the, the timelines game. Well, he tells this old boy that the council, A, called off the attack, and B, want Archer for questioning, and C, they've arranged transportation. They're sending him with the whales. Dolphin boy is back. Dolphin girl is back. Uh, a lot of that was a lie. Archer does wake up in an aquatic ship. Yeah. But as soon as they realize he's awake, they gas him and stick him in a shuttle and send him right back to Enterprise. Right. Enterprise is floating there. Uh, they're not warp capable anymore. It would take weeks to fix the warp engine if they had the parts. Specifically, it's but, a warp coil that is, that's gone tits up, correct? Yeah, their warp coil is all shot. Okay. Uh... But uh, they bring Archer in. He tells him he thinks Degra had him released. And although he's like 
talking in a weird low voice and being real growly, he immediately notices that T Paul's being real weird. Mm. Her hands are shaky. Uh, she lurches through the corridors, having some real bad audiovisual experiences. She'd been weird this whole season, man. She'd been a little weird. She's been a little weird, but it's definitely, and she was weird last week for sure. Mm -hmm. All hiding in her quarters and yelling at Trip. Yeah. Just telling him he wasn't good at sex and stuff. Telling him the the wrong clone died or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. She kept talking about how much she missed Sim. Yeah, Sim was fucking hot and he's ugly and she can't figure it out either, but just deal with those hot facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, she has a real bad time about it. Uh, what they're trying to do now is get somewhere they can hide some commentary dust cloud. But in the meantime, an enemy ship appears out of nowhere and they're also in distress, but not because of uh, being shot up by Zindis, even though we're in the middle of the Zindi military base star system. (laughs) It's very odd. They just hit some anomalies and it, it fucked them. It fucked, uh, up and they, it fucked them and they ended up there, and you're right that the Zindi don't ever seem to check on these people. Nah. <laughs> nah. Uh, they were there because they, these guys are kind of new to space, and it was their first opportunity to check out a red giant yeah. star. Remember so those days? They got real unlucky. Mm-hmm. Although, was this, I mean, doesn't that almost suggest that their planet is somewhere in the Expanse? Uh, it doesn't kind of have to be. They wouldn't go into the Expanse to check out a red giant. They probably wouldn't even be able to see it. Uh, hold on. Let me just Google what's the nearest red giant. Oh, boy. To the Expanse? Ah, uh, to us. Um, A- 88 light years. That's pretty far. I'm surprised fucking Bing had that just on lock. Uh, yeah, no, for real. Like, uh, Google told me all about it and has shown me pictures of it and stuff. This so. is a Bing show? So uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. So can you just play? Can you play along? All right, sorry, Bing. Bing. Anyway, Bing told me all about Gamma Crucis, also <laughs> known as Gacrux. <laughs> I love Gacrux. Uh, Eighty-eight light years away. So I guess maybe maybe that doesn't mean that they're inside the expanse. Man, I don't fucking know. I thought the whole th- thing took place in the expanse, and then like the expanse was really big and took forever this to star- navigate. This is for sure. <laughs> this red giant is for sure in the. Expanse, but if they weren't, but these in old the boys expanse, might have come fifty or sixty light years. I, know, I to hate get there. to sidetrack the whole show, but I will talk about this for five hours if necessary. Did the people see the red giant in the expanse? Because I thought it was pretty impenetrable in terms of what it uh, was it's like. A, that's a good. That's a fair question. And they had to travel pretty far in the Expanse, at least from the direction that Enterprise was coming to get to the Zindi. I don't know if it yeah. would be the same from uh, where these be, dudes are coming from. We could from. be up against the back wall of the Expanse. I agree. Enough. We certainly could. Bing it. I can't. <laughs> there's no, for one thing, there's no acutogram for that. I have forgotten the name of the Expanse. It's, yeah, so. you haven't. It's the Pelvic Expanse. We it all remember. It's not the Pelvic Expanse. Oh, it's, um... Was that on Voyager? Here's the deal with these guys. Okay. Uh, Archer thinks maybe they can help each other out. They need uh, help fixing their ship. They need supplies and things. Uh-huh. To make them go? To make them go? Uh-huh. I almost got this confused with another episode and started talking about how badly they needed thorium isotopes. <laughs> that We'll <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, that's different. Uh and Archer's big strategy is, hey, hey, maybe we can trade them for their warp coil. Yeah, he makes a real fantasy football trade proposition. Well, that's but that's no good because 
Without their warp coil, it'll take them three years to get home, and their ship isn't built for a three-year mission. Mm -hmm. Thinking about it, that probably means they're certainly less than uh, three light years from the Red Giant. All right, so maybe they are expansing. So they live in the Red Giant star system, I guess. Yeah. Probably. Um, then you Fucking can see, A with this. You can see why they'd want to check out that Red Giant so bad. Then. Yeah. <laughs> They've been living uh, next to it for a long it's time. It's been burning us <laughs> since life emerged on our planet. So. We've just been looking at it for thousands of years. We just wanted to look closer. <clears throat> There's no night. Yeah, what they do, what Archer does is he says, what if you give us 2005 Ladanian Tomlinson? Right. And we give you um, the 2019 uh, Chargers backup running back. Is this <laughs> acceptable for you? The answer is anyway, no, obviously. No, definitely not. Anyway, these guys are very nice, but they're not going to let Archer have their warp coil. Yeah. Uh, even as he half ran, even as he sweatily rants at them about millions of lives. Yeah, he's definitely, if I were those guys, I definitely would have got the feeling he wanted to take that thing. And I would have left fucking immediately. Uh, yeah, I feel like they did, but they're not fast or something. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they wanted to finish making repairs before they went to warp. No, but, dude, they yeah. really needed to check out that red giant. Yeah, I guess they still wanted to finish their mission. Anyway, Teeple has a crazy sex murder dream. Yeah. Where she's doing shower sex with Trip, and then she gets all crazy like those Vulcans from that episode where they got Trellium crazy. Yeah. And kills him. But it's just a dream. But when she wakes up, she uh, ganks a spacesuit and starts making her way through one of the depressurized decks to Cargo Bay 2, which she's been like... Asking about uh -huh. in kind of a druggy way. I had, earlier I referred to it as Chekhov's Cargo Bay Two. Yeah, she's been talking about Cargo Bay Two yeah. in a way that music and uh, I guess other people's responses suggest is sinister. Like normally when someone asks about Cargo Bay Two, that's a boring thing that happens mm -hmm. in a Star Trek. Yeah, but this time everyone's like, "What? <clears throat> what are you talking about Cargo Bay Two for?" And it's like, ah, "I get it. It's something." Anyway. What it is, is she steals some rocks and she vaporizes them and injects them into her veins. So she freebases rocks, which we later learn are just trellium. Yeah, it's there's a lot happening in this one. Uh, so that sucks. Oh, also she falls off a cargo stack of cargo crates and one lands near her, but she doesn't break her spine or anything. No. It's not, not normal. No, it's more like shit. the Roga Danar fight and less like, um, what, lessons? Ethics. Ethics, ethics, lessons is different. Ethics, in that uh, she she just pushed those things away. They're not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that gets her back up to whatever's in those rocks, gets her back up to uh, working strength, and she and Hoshi discover coordinates to a star date stuck deep in the logs inside this escape pod and not just pinned to Archer's uniform. <laughs> it's right, as long as you're going to give him back. Like, I don't know. I get, if they, what was the blit? I don't know, man. If Dolem, if the Dolem gets this pod, right? If we eject this, yeah. Pod if he's watching Archer us and, and, and Dolem gets this it, shit. We, we need plausible deniability. I don't know. He got in the pod and programmed it to go back to Enterprise. Yeah, he fucking escaped. I don't know. He's I don't know why he then was unconscious. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I don't have shoulders. Otherwise, I'd be shrugging them. I'm just a dolphin. Anyway, to make the rendezvous, which everyone assumes is with Degra. They'll need to make warp three, but they have no warp coil. That's tough. <sighs> Figure so that Archer's one out, sitting Degra. in his quarters, 
working on this whole situation when Flocks brings him his dog back. Mm. And uh, when these two boys get together, you know lines are going to be crossed. They got a whole conversation in here about him asking the doctor about his ethics. And it's like, bro, we know enough. Yeah, You don't need to ask any questions about Flox's medical ethics. And he says he's, Flox claims that he's only violated his ethics uh, twice in his long career. We've seen more than that. So well, we've seen the ones that he's, he's given himself a free pass for, <laughs> he, I don't know. He weirdly does not consider violating medical ethics. Some wiping out a whole race of people uh-huh. or um, creating a clone to harvest organs from. Sure. Etc. So don't forget, he cooked mm, up that whole weird interrogation of Degra. That was all him. That's on him. He did that. Oh yeah, he was real proactive. Oh, did a lot of memory erasing stuff. Psychoactive drugs and yeah, that doesn't seem consistent with medical ethics, right? So he's given himself a pass for some of this stuff, at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe all of it. Maybe he thinks both of the bad times were way back on Denobula. That is a hundred percent what I think. I think he's talking about times that he considered violating his own ethics, and none of those things we talked about do. Anyway, Archer orders Reed to ready a boarding party, because they're going to steal that warp coil. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, I don't think anyone says piracy. Maybe T-Pole calls, T-Pole calls him out on it. Yeah. No one likes it, but they're all going to do it. There's no mutiny party. I was waiting for the mutiny party. No, they all in, I think, eventually. Yeah, and they're all like, uh, T-Pole, T-Pole starts to tell him that when you start making these decisions, you can get addicted to them. <laughs> like drugs. Do you get and it? It's, and it's like, uh, but she doesn't say like me and all the trellium I've been snorting. Also, her, but, it's a clearly on her mind and ruining her ability to like make good arguments because that's sort of beside the point. It's not that you will become addicted to making evil choices. Right. <laughs> yeah. T-Pole. She, like, she throws his words back in his face, etc. But, but then uh, she and sma- smashes up a pad and then sells herself he uses out. That. Yeah. Yeah, he uses that to like turn it back on you. Like, hey, what's up with you? Uh, looks like you're and the she's, one. And what she doesn't say is, I'm mad that you're about to do piracy. Yeah. I know Admiral Forrest will stand behind you because that's what he does, but this is some bullshit. Uh, anyway, after this, she goes to Phlox and tells him all about how she, when she got that trallium exposure that made her a little crazy, it turned out afterwards she started feeling some new shit that she never felt before, and she wanted to do it again, and she's been... Snorting trellium for three months. I I know she's injecting it, but <clears throat> I I thought she she's was been freebasing trellium for three months. I thought she was gonna say she was doing it to build up a tolerance, but no, but no, I don't think so. I think she just likes drugs. No, she just keeps thinking about that time she went to that jazz club. Well, I mean, how cool would it have been if I'd been on trellium the when I did that? Music was so full of horns and yeah, annoying, and also the screen was all f- like f- soft and fuzzy. Anyway, he gives her a shot, but tells her it's going to be a long road to recovery, but I expect it's not going to come up that much. <laughs> yeah. I suspect this is going to be the end of it. She's not even going to go on walkabout, probably. No. Uh, Enterprise attacks the other ship. Archer beams over there. They, uh, they shoot it up. They steal the warp core. The captain... Gives him, he, Archer exchanges some words with the captain and tells him about how he left him his uh his watch and his old house key. Uh-huh. Didn't, didn't want him thinking that he'd steal. Yeah, it's totally cool. By the way, he does not offer to bring it back when he's done with it either. No. Nope. He's going to keep it. 
No, there. Uh, we'll talk about this, but there are lots of other things Archer could have done. Yes. This is he jumped yes. right to this. Yes, there are other solutions yes. of, were available. Uh huh. He's going to a rendezvous. He's not going to a fight. He could have bargained for a ride from these guys. Anyway, there's yep. lots of stuff, right? Yep. Um, but no. Um, they take the warp coil. They leave this ship stranded three years from home, <laughs> unequipped to make it, and also a little bit shot up now. Yeah, they shot him up pretty good. Uh, also helpless in Zindi space, and they warp out for their rendezvous with Degra, and then, Matthew, I ask you, what is this one about? Yeah, I, I had, once again, yet again, how far are you willing to go to complete a final mission? Will you, will you violate your own ethics? Um, I gave it the five, as always. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's cool. It's because a, it's the same take as always. It's so. the same take as always, and it's just a question, and it's... I mean, I guess the answer is Archer is willing to do some wild shit. But um, I will say when we get into execution, I think this is the best version of this plot so far, and we will definitely get into it. <clears throat> okay. Um, I I don't I don't disagree. Ultimately, this is one. This is like can your honor survive in the real world with real decisions? Yeah, when the shit the, gets real. AKA the whole third season. Of Enterprise. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if I've rated this consistently every single time it's come up. I did not go back this, to make sure I did either. Yeah, this time it felt like a three. I gave it three. Ben's take is hard fucking choices. Yeah. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, especially when the many are our guys and the few are your guys. <laughs> and he gave it a two. So he yeah. left... Uh, parts of his cynical take. <laughs> yes, I mean it's fair. It's it fair, fair that the the needs of the many in this case are people that this guy played by the guy who plays Damar on DS Nine um, has never fucking met. Yeah, he don't know. It him. is true. <clears throat> I mean, I guess the only thing you could say if you're Archer is, uh, if I don't fix this, it's actually going to wipe out your shitty planet too. Yeah, because of the sphere builder. Because the expanse is gonna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he didn't want to get into the whole time trade. He was like sit there and go, okay, so guess what? Listen, there was this guy on our ship named Dan. Guess what? Huh? And he showed up every once in a while, and we locked his room, and it's full of stuff. I can show you the room if you want. It's not that cool. Anyway, um, he sent us back to Detroit, and T. Paul almost domed a guy. Yeah, she's a bad cop. You know T. Paul, right? Oh, you don't know her. Oh, he don't know her. Um, okay. Well, anyway, so he's got these sphere, sphere. You know these spheres? You seen any of them? See, you don't know them? Okay, well, there's these spheres around, and then there's the sphere builders. And the sphere builders are from the, f- the future? But they, but they're gonna, they, in the future, they're gonna build out, and everyone here gonna die, and that's why I need your warp coil right now. <laughs> I need it immediately. Uh, execution. It sounds like you're lining up to maybe give this one some points. Uh, I had one real big problem with this episode. Do it. Archer seems so weird and different in this episode that I originally thought he was maybe a clone or a fake. Like the whale sent a fucking clone of Archer for some reason. Because he's talking in a different voice. Yeah. That's called acting. All right. He's in a real he's in a real pickle now. Anyway, I was waiting for the inevitable you're not Archer mutiny party, and it just never came, so that left a bad taste in my mouth. Second, second big problem. They used up their mutiny juice last time, dude, when he was with those bugs, when he wanted to be the bug mom. 
Yes. <laughs> they were. Their mutiny juice is only like a tenth full right now. He's having a bad month, huh? Yeah. Um, this is the only Star Trek that has continuity. Yep. And they spring a three-month-old trellium addiction on us. Yeah. With no having not laid any groundwork. Yeah, sight unseen. Just like they could have showed us people freebasing in her pajamas at any point. By the way, can she get some new fucking pajamas? I'm not. I'm, like, uh, I'm just tired of it. Yeah, no, it's for sure trash. I'm so tired of it. Every time. God. Like, uh, Phlox comes to check on her. She's still wearing her sex pajamas around him. Her uh, low-rise pant half-top. <laughs> That's right. Crop top with buttons for some reason. Yeah, with low-rise pants. Some buskins, as I like to call them, up there. Yeah. And a lot of cleave, and obviously those things are hard as a rock anyway. And it's just like... This is not what the show's about anymore. I mean, pretty clearly. This, this is the dark aughts enterprise. Right. It's not sexy young action enterprise. Now it's the dark aughts. So can we give her like some drab fucking PJs to wear around? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so yeah. <sighs> Why are you springing this on us? This is the show that has continuity. Yeah. Where was the groundwork for this? Tell me it's been going on for 12 episodes? You're not wrong. A couple of things they did okay. I thought it was a good choice to make the aliens not be dicks. Yeah, those poor guys. Uh, because if you're get, if you're gonna have Archer go all the way to piracy, there's no point in softening it up. Like it would undercut it. And by the way, be like, well, these guys are assholes. That's anyway. what they would normally do too. That's what is yeah. even more surprising about this episode that they didn't undercut the whole thing by having those guys turn out to be the schemers in some way. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's extremely dumb that they can steal the warp core and integrate it seamlessly into this wrecked up ship. So dumb trip comments on how amazingly easy it is. Yeah. No, I actually, I, I thought it was going to be hard, but it wasn't. It, uh, do you I remember earlier it. this episode when I said it would take two weeks to fix if we had the parts? It took. Well, we got the part and it turns out we're ready to go. We'll go warp 3.2 right now. Yeah, there's a lot this week in the various shows where the. How easy things are doesn't make even one fucking bit of sense. And there's timeline nonsense, uh-huh. too, for sure. Um, Yeah, they needed something for Archer to steal and for it to have consequences, but he should have just stolen the whole alien ship. Like, oh, that would have been sick. He should have just, like, done a piracy and taken the ship. Yeah, and, like, kept them in the hold, and the next episode right. they'd try to break out, and he'd have something. to, like, put them down. Okay. I'm just saying, if we're going to go Dark Archer, have him make a Degra, more reasonable Degra choice. gives him another warp coil and they go back and fix Enterprise or something. <laughs> what I'm right? saying like, is, have him make the hard choice this week, right? But not an insane choice to just pirate them like that. Like, have him commandeer their ship and keep them as prisoners and then have to deal with them trying to break out next week. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, minus two points for the sex hallucination. God. So uh i gave it a total of two for execution all right um ben gave it a three he said who are these new fucking aliens that was a wasted visit warp coil or not we're finding out that the enterprise isn't the only damaged vessel yeah no one can navigate it's not this just shit. a wasted visit it makes no sense for them to show up yep <clears throat> hey you know, we're like, broken it, can you help us what if it had been a fucked up zindi ship but like one of, from degra's people or an arboreal or something right why do you have to introduce these new idiots? Why would they be there? I guess <sighs> they needed somebody who was so wide-eyed and innocent. It had exactly. to be their first space voyage or whatever. 
Uh, T-Pole's getting some Trellium D up in there. Unnecessary shower scene. Good. Uh, we all were very unhappy about that. No one, including T-Pole, thinks about the Trellium D. No, it just sits there. They ain't <laughs> worried. They're not using it's, it. Well, first of all, I don't think it's even Trellium D. I think it's just Unrefined Trellium. Trillium. Yeah, they do offer to trade it to them. So they, they are thinking about it as a trade asset in this episode. Right. Uh, let's see. How are they able to fit yet yeah, one more filler episode right in the middle of the series climax? It's true. This episode arc will never end. It just keeps fucking going. Uh, T-Pole getting pissed at Archer for breaching their shared code of ethics would actually be more effective if she didn't have this Trillium D stuff. Yep, she ruined it for herself. Um... Uh, let's see, drug addiction thing should have been its own episode, or at least, as you said, should have been hinted at. So yeah, he's at a three. Um, alright, so I said, this is finally a real test of how far Archer's willing to go. One, because he isn't sort of arbitrarily torturing somebody or farming some organs for a nebulous purpose, like in the previous episodes. Do you remember that they never came up with a reason why they needed Trip? <laughs> they just said over and over again he was vital to the uh, mission. There's, there's no mission without Trip. He's the only. I he's the mission. That. And I just kept going. Yeah. Why? But why though? Nah, he's the only engineer on the ship. No one else can do it. So I, it. So that's one and two. It sets up something they have to do that's sort of premeditated and obviously an immoral act. To strand those guys knowingly, he has to get the warp speed, and this is the only option they have. This is the thing that Janeway saw in that in the Phage dudes from season one of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, yeah, it's premeditated, and we gotta do it, and it's gonna leave you guys, you know, without your lungs, but uh, <laughs> we need them. Gotta get uh, them. But tough titty. You gotta, we gotta have them. Uh, and this is what Voyager should be running into, but Janeway is so willing to sell out anybody and everybody that things never really get to the point of, like, moral questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Archer sucks. And that lessens a lot of the impact of the decision they have to make, which we'll talk about a lot in characterization. His suckiness. Um, sexy shower hallucinations and uh, close-ups on feet. Specifically. Yeah. I know they in the shower. Well, you gotta show the shower floor and their feet, because you're in feet. We all get it. Well, but the, see, they have to show how close the feet are, because that means that higher up they're touching. But we can already tell they're touching higher anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And horror. So, another one of my favorites. Thank, thank God this show wasn't just on HBO, right? Oh, they just would have gone for it. I mean... And there was just a bunch of dumb sex in it. Tarantino always talks about how he wants to do a Star Trek, because he's a Star Trek fan, but how he'd make it an R-rated Star Trek, and I just keep hoping that they will not oh, no, do it. Please, no one let him do one. One, we know talk, he's talk in about, defeat. Talk about... Well, yeah, first of all, for sure there would be footsteps. He has talked about talk it Talk about dialogue interviews. monsters. I know... Can you imagine the things he would make that poor captain say? I just, I'm so afraid they will eventually do it because anything's just, everything's fair game now. Yeah. Um. Anyway, come on, Star Trek. Can we do better than this? This whole T-Pole plot is just wildly irrational. They decided long ago to make the logical Vulcan the least rational and logical character on the show, and I don't understand it. It's a weird choice they made. They straight up decided to make her a drug addict. Yeah. Because she wants to have emotions, and she, for some reason, it does not occur to her that there's any other way to do that, like maybe not suppress her <laughs> yeah, emotions. That's what I'm saying. She's got them all in there. Maybe just don't meditate as much. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I forget if she can mind meld on her own or if she's only receptive to it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. You know, I bet Trip would let you in. 
figure out he's that dude's got a lot of emotions um this episode's dark and in keeping with the themes of this entire season um while effective in setting up the stakes, it's not exactly a fun watch. It's like a Battlestar reboot in that way. Mm. Like, uh, a lot of the aughts. Um, mm. Also, you do see a lot of hallucinations in Battlestar. Yeah, exactly. So, they are very much of the same era. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say this was a bad episode, but I don't want to watch any more of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, after this one, I wish the whole plot was wrapped up and we could move on to something else, but it's not. We're going to have to keep going. I gave it a four in execution. <clears throat> what about world building? I'm not sure if we ever talked about how Enterprise uses letters to label the various decks instead of numbers. Oh, yeah. It's come up. I, no, I don't know if we... You're right. Maybe we haven't, but yeah. they do talk about E-deck. C-deck and E-deck and all that shit. Um, let's see. More evidence of a fractured Zindi alliance. You know, that's probably because they only have five decks, and so you never see some crewman in the back going, H-I-J-K-L-M-N. Okay, N. I gotta go to N. <laughs> I don't go there often. Don't look at me. Um, A new warp coil could be built by the engineering team in a few weeks with the right parts, is what he says. Ah. So he could build a new one from scratch if he had the right parts, and that made me think these engineers are actually pretty legit. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Engineers in Star Trek are highly theoretical. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the guys who run a nuclear power plant or even uh, one of these diesel engines on a destroyer uh-huh. c- could build one. Yeah, if they were stranded out in the fucking ocean and they had to build a new engine. They know how to maintain them. Yeah. They, they know might how to know how to maintain them, so, them, by the way. And so on. I'm not sure they would in real life. Uh, yeah, well, so, okay. But definitely, I, I wouldn't... I don't know if they just build one. Yeah. Like, could they just make one, though? Do they know about metallurgy? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I that when he said that, I went, three weeks three is pretty good. It doesn't sound bad. Yeah. Now, we know he was personally part of the team mm-hmm. that put together Enterprise or part of the Warp 5 project or whatever. Yeah. I assume he has a lot to do with in, with the engine design, but I just don't know if he actually sat down and built it himself the first but time. You, you know, for instance, that uh, Jordy LaForge does not, doesn't seem maybe qualified. Well, no. For one thing, I'm not ship. sure he was always an engineering expert or if he kind of right. fell into it. And two, he did. we did see him have to uh, go straight to the plans. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't know enough. I got a computer. Can you show me? Show me the engine. And then he But like even if you assume that he's a, a savant, he is constantly in competition with like the chief engineer of the victory, a ship that we never see and know is not important. That's right. Yeah, for engine efficiency or whatever. Anyway, in Star Trek, uh engineers are highly theoretical. Yeah. Uh Dolphin Boy's ship and their ability to carry non water folk. Uh, let's see, 14 were dead and 3 unaccounted for in that crazy battle. I don't know how many crew that leaves them. I guess we should have been keeping track. Um, Hoshi indicates aquatic is even harder to figure out than insectoid, but she might just be down in the dumps. <laughs> um, yeah, it's she needs to get her groove back again. It's, it's that's her eternal struggle. Is every time she gets it back, she was doing it. She went to the, she went to Riza. She met that man. Uh-huh. They talked about languages, and I'm sure they fucked. A hundred percent, they fucked. 
then she did a Beauty and the Beast, and that really set her back. <laughs> it really set her back a lot. She got back to the ship, and she was like, why was I running around in camisoles and shit? Hey, why, why did I pack that like that? I was that? so rapey. I, why did I even pack those? It's like, I'm not... I know that I was the victim there, and I shouldn't blame myself, but, but also, what was I doing? I did, like, what does I it made say some choices. Me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew this guy was not safe. He kept going in my mind. He just wouldn't stop doing it. Um, yeah. can't T- anyway. She's got no self confidence again. Can't T Pole just live in an encounter suit if the trellium is really so dangerous to her, or would that not provide any more protection than the ship's existing bulkheads and stuff? Is it radiating something, or is she breathing Listen, it in? It appears to be fucking magic because you <laughs> you can just smear a little of it on the inside of a bulkhead and it stops space anomalies. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't really understand it. I'm asking the question, I don't know if it would help, but, because they're like, oh, we're not going to use it because it'll mess her up, so maybe they already explored putting her in an encounter suit for the rest of the mission or something. By the way, another hard choice they could have had Archer make. Yep. Is just to use the Trellium and months like, ago. sorry, people. And just like, listen, we're, you know, Phlox is here, we're going to do what we can for you, but. You live in sickbay now. Yeah. Uh, let's see, that suit's air hose sure comes off pretty easy. It does pop right off, but luckily it pops right back in. Yeah, they. I think they're like, oh, well, if it pops out and then you're fucked, you're like, you're panicking and you're scrambling around to plug it back in. You're really, you're gonna yeah. die out there. But then, like, the I think the ease of putting it in helps with the ease of taking it out too. Probably, I think it's just it's mag safe. Like, if that hose gets snagged on something, you don't want it to pull your whole helmet off. You want the hose to pop uh, off or rip, put it back in. Yeah, it, you want the yeah. hose to get damaged either, so it'll just pop off instead. Uh, so, what you're saying is good design, and you need to give another point for world building. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm working on it. Um, yeah. aquatic escape pods can maneuver underwater as well as in space. Um, the by the way, was that an escape pod or a shuttle? <clears throat> they said escape pod, and the way they opened it up and he was just laying there made me wonder. No, that's because it's for whales. It doesn't have a seat in it. But there, I wasn't sure there was much in there. Was there anything in there? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I, I, The glimpse we got from his airlock into the ship didn't make sense. It didn't look like it was inside a ship. It looked like they were looking into a weird green realm. <laughs> yes. Where there were some whales. Yeah, dude, there'd be whales here. He should have said it. He should have. That would have been a great knowing nod. To a great film, if he had just said, every whale's here. <laughs> um, you know, I kept, I didn't want to say it was Trallium that she was injecting herself with, even though I knew it was. Yeah, I, I held out hope. Was, I, I, but I, yeah. Because exactly. they already told us it was horror poison to Vulcans. So it just didn't make sense for her to be injecting it. But yeah. It, yeah, it was. It was the trellium again. Um, she, by the way, she's the ship's science officer. I don't even understand And her. she was like, I thought if I did it in low doses, <laughs> she, maybe I wouldn't turn into a wart monster that killed everyone. You know, there are a lot of bad characters on Enterprise, and I'm starting to think that she's the worst. Well, it doesn't. By the way, it does not feel like they had a plan for her. No. They said, oh, we should put a Vulcan on there. and A sexy she, Vulcan. There should be conflict between Vulcan yes. dogma and human whatever. That was season one, and for sure. And then they were like, what if we got some big tits on her, and then <laughs> we made her go crazy, What if she, she got AIDS, and it was a thing. What if she had oh, a crush on the captain? She liked jazz. And then what if she also had a crush on the engineer? What if she went to Earth hundreds of years ago in the 50s, and then... Or didn't? 
Or maybe I don't didn't, know. but Joke's then she does you. have that quilt or whatever. Ah. <laughs> Fuck. Wolf. Yeah. Um, I gave world building a four. There was you a lot in a there. Four. Uh, ben gave it a four also. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he the aquatics will send a ship and, oh, they have an air-filled cell. And he says, think of the inertia. And that is a very good point. Yeah. That ship full of liquid is going to have a lot is going to have a lot of displacement a lot of sloshing around in there too you know when like Riker has to turn around in circles it's another real problem also maybe they're not (laughs) whales I don't know what they are air breathing I I call them dolphin boy they could be any kind of monster it didn't seem like they were surfacing to get air no which is good because if you stopped a ship full of water and there was some air in it, you would create a hydraulic ram and blow the ship out. <laughs> it happens to pipes be cool. all the time. Um, let's see. Uh, he says, in other series, ships can always tell when weapons are powered up and ready, but these aliens don't seem to know that Enterprise is coming in loaded for bear. Yeah, uh, he 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 attributes his four points to seeing stuff about the aquatics. Uh, I agree. I gave it as many as five points. One thing that no one has really talked about is, uh, again, this is an abs- this is an absolute split in the monster council. Yep, where Degra and his buddies straight up lie to the reptilians <laughs> and don't invite the insectoids to the party at all. Yeah, uh, we see this fear builder lady. Yeah, oh yeah, she shows her up. a little bit. Yeah, I, I put more evidence of a fractured Zindi alliance. I didn't I didn't yeah. put more notes than that. But yeah. Uh, Degra has appears to have chosen sides. He straight up springs Archer. Yes. Uh Trellium addiction. And then uh the first significant crew casualties, I think. Like they may have lost one person in a previous episode, but they're down a few now. Yeah, again, that was fourteen confirmed. And if you're unaccounted for on a spaceship, it's this is not good. There yeah. are very few ways to be unaccounted. Even for on Earth, when they say unaccounted for, it, you, it usually ain't so very good. I mean, I'm sure someone's. I'm sure Archer said, "Did someone check the catwalk?" Because people like to hide there. It's a great hiding it's a, place. It's a great, great hiding spot. I gave it as many as five. I thought uh, that there was more world building in this one than in most Star Trek episodes. All right. What about um, characterizations? <sighs> There's a certain logic to Archer <laughs> once he commits to his plan going in with no warnings striking <laughs> as fast as possible at least he commits all the way yeah um that's probably the only good thing i have to say about this one t-pole's arc is paper thin makes no sense it's not amazing uh-huh everyone else in this episode is just real hangdog they just have a real depressed aspect and they just let the story happen to them that's right so i gave it only three points for characterization ben uh gave it fewer he gave it one archer is a dickhole t-pole is a (laughs) cocaine whore flocks is the worst military doctor ever he doesn't tell archer that t-pole is unstable and addicted well he seems to go back and forth sometimes he's willing to spread medical info just all over the damn place Right. But yeah, it seems like this week he's he's at least temporarily kept it under his hat. 
Yeah, this is one you could maybe have argued because Archer's going to lead that strike team and lead leave T-Pole yeah. in command. This is maybe okay. when McCoy would have gone, Now look, I wasn't going to say anything before, but how are you supposed to command a ship with MS? <laughs> That's what she had, right? It was MS. I think she went... Well, according she, to WebMD. Yeah, she went on WebMD and it said MS. She said, um, symptoms, can't see anything. And it said, MS, 99% MS. probability. Um, I was split. I gave it a two. I, I was in between you guys. Um, uh, let's see. Degra knows the reptilians are wrong. I don't know if he knows yet what is right, but he at least has gone full bore on these, um, reptilians and insectoids is bullshit. Well, Archer gave him that enamel pin. That's it, man. He's calling that proof this week. He's all over the place. (laughs) Dolem is full of shit for sure, <laughs> yeah. and they did that stuff in the past. Sure, and the lady confirms that they did that stuff in the past. So at this point, you can kind of understand Degra being like, "Look, yes, maybe Archer is not is spinning is painting a rosy picture of things, but those dudes went to the past." I'm saying a hundred percent real. It's totally legit to be um, anti reptilian yeah. and insectoid, but what he does when he points out that pin and he's just walking around calling that proof he he yeah. tells he tells the rest of the council well archer's provided proof and he doesn't even have well, to say what forget. it is anymore they're probably he all had tired that of fucking thing quantum dated last week <laughs> they're all tired of hearing about that fucking pin it's like oh god there are look we don't know what quantum dating means that's apparently you do and we're all just letting you have that one yeah that's a given cooking you can stop talking about it though like we're not even going to challenge you yeah, who knew? It seemed like such thin evidence when Archer presented it, but it's he's... We know it's from the future. We don't know it's not horse shit from the yeah, future. Yeah, it was horse shit invented in the future that was meant to fucking tell a story. It, it, Great. By Someone the way, we don't sent know, him horse shit from the future. <laughs> we don't know that's not true. We don't know what's his name. I know you said his name earlier. Daniels? Daniels. <laughs> we don't know. Daniels didn't just make that up in the future. Yep. Like, it's... Anyway... Um, as is always the case on Enterprise, T-Pole definitely needs to go to sickbay, but instead just goes and splashes some water on her face instead. But earlier in the episode, uh, that's when she's, not just Enterprise. When she's Everyone staggering is very around to go to sickbay in Star Trek, staggering around having hallucinations, and instead of going to sickbay, she goes to her quarters and like one little splash of water. I don't know how many episodes we are from the loss. Yeah, but I definitely feel like, oh man, it's at week eighty-three. I definitely feel oh, like really Troy cool. also will not take things seriously. That's farther away than I thought. I'm actually kind of happy it's that far away. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, anything anything in this show would be much easier to solve if any of the characters ever spoke up about their shit. Um, Hoshi's always wanted to learn the piano. Her mom wanted her to learn the piano, right? Oh, I thought and she she's said... sorry she didn't now that she needs musicality to decipher the uh, okay. whale whale song uh yeah did she try humpback that she that's should, a good question she should start there but since it won't be another 80 to 100 years before wait uh, yeah like 120 years before they figure out that humpback whales are talking because uh, presumably they're extinct Oh, oh wait. no, they fixed it. Yeah, that. no, they're extinct. Oh, because they didn't fix it yet, but they're gonna fix it. So it's fixed. But they don't but they don't fix it in the past. They take the whales back oh, to the future. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they say it's, so it's only fixed you know what? in the twenty three hundreds. And that's fair, because they were just gonna kill those whales again. Yeah, they couldn't leave them there. Yeah. There's a whaling ship right there. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't just leave them there. 
Not, I can't leave our boys, George and Gracie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and or two other whales they found. Yeah, they don't care. They just needed two. Uh, let's see. Nice guy Mayweather never stops being reassuring. Um, well, he, I didn't notice he had a line in this he one. He had one line, and it was about how we're all going to make it through. It's all going to be okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Archer's ready to bargain almost anything away to get a warp coil. And maybe, and this is, I'm writing this in real time, even to steal this guy's fucking warp coil and leave yeah, him stranded. And, sure, and then he for sure did. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. You know, Archer could sit down with his crew and talk about what an impossibly shitty situation this is and explain why they have to do this nasty deed. But instead, he just shouts at Reed to do it and shut up. He's a real garbage yeah. commander. Yeah. Even Kirk would have had a meeting about it, I'm pretty sure. The only good small... Th- Either a meeting or he would have just announced his intentions over... The- he does that kind of a lot. Yeah, he would have announced it to the crew. Yeah. Uh, the only good small touch in this episode is when Trip tells Archer those people they robbed will be okay. Like, they'll get home safe. And Archer just shoots him a look like, seriously, shut the fuck up. Like, the last thing I want to hear right now is this bullshit yeah. platitude about how those guys are really going to be okay floating in space. Asshole. Um, Again, in the Azadi Prime Star. It's stuff. not good to leave them there. You know, like, uh, right where we just got our shit entirely rocked. Why does the guy stop to talk to them? They've clearly got fucking holes in their ship. It, anyway. Uh, the question of Flox's ethics is a wild one, A, because it's coming from somebody with a pretty nutso moral compass like Archer, and B, because we already know Flox is a madman. Uh, yeah. So just a two for me. <clears throat> what, you got quick hitters? Yeah, in real time. Dolphin Boy? Will I get to see Dolphin Boy and Dolphin Girl again? <laughs> Chekhov's Cargo Bay 2, which they specifically can't reach. Um, more horror, T-Pole. I recognize Damar as soon as I heard his voice. The guy who plays the nice alien plays Damar on DS9. Who will he? We don't. We haven't met him yet, but he will we'll be get in to many, many, Demar's many episodes. Coming. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's it. Uh, ben just has one. Uh, he says this may be the first episode of Star Trek ever that made me hope that the good guys would actually lose. Oh, I have those hopes all the time on Enterprise. Enterprise is where that happens for me. Yeah, Every time always. they're going to do a raid, <laughs> like please, please have the shit go wrong. I have a few. Um, are the walls on Enterprise filled with dirt and rocks? Yeah, wondering why there's so many dirt and rocks all around. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he, there's an explosion in the war room and more dirt and rocks fall down. This is something that we originally... Did they just did they just insulate the ship with uh, construction debris? I'm trying to think of where we initially see that. And it might be yesterday's Enterprise. When the bridge goes up in that episode, there are a bunch of damn rocks just flying all over the place. And I think they went, ah, oh, that was cool, having debris fly around. And it's like, that debris doesn't make sense. I couldn't not look at it in all of the scenes. It was really <laughs> driving me crazy. It looks like that lot across the street from my house that they're always working on. The um, the alien ship is half of a Dideradex model. It did look like, that's what I was thinking, it looked like the top no, no. or bottom half. It's the top. It's okay. for sure is right. the top of a Dideradex model with no engines or beak or bottom half. And it's a different color, of course. And they painted it yellow. Yeah. Uh, do they think I wouldn't recognize that? Maybe, because they were wrong. Maybe they purposely put it in for the, the real Star Trek fans. It's not like they put a Uridian ship in but made it face backwards so it looks different. <laughs> they do that sometimes. It really fucks up uh, when you're looking on the wiki online and you're like, how is this explained in-universe? 
oh, this Uridian design was really popular, so we bought one, but like we made right. it fly backwards. But uh, we turned it around. Why not? This but space. The, there's still what looks like a big impulse engine at the front. Don't worry oh, that's about a weapon it. now. Yeah, we changed it. We, we put the flips torpedo on launcher. After my theory that Archer had been replaced was busted, my second theory was that this was all a big test. That uh, Degra planted these aliens here. To see if he was really any good at all. To see if Archer was a piece of shit. Because he knew Archer's ship was busted, and he'd sent that message about, okay, meet me here, and he knew Enterprise wouldn't be able to do it, and then he put this (laughs) ship in distress here, and I thought, ah, this is all a big test. Oh man, that would have been the end of the show then, I guess. Archer's not willing to hurt these people, so Degra knows he's a good guy. No, nope, turns out that's not it. No, nope, good thing that'd been it. Then they would have failed the test. Uh, obviously, when Archer asked Flox if he'd ever done anything unethical, I wrote, "Yeah, Flox has done some unethical shit." Mm-hmm. And then when he said that he was about to uh, step over a line, I wrote, "Archer and Flox are both habitual line steppers." <laughs> that's right. And sometimes you got to check them. Sometimes you got to check them. <laughs> I gave uh, best actor in this one to Trip. Okay. And worst actor, I'm sorry, has got to be T-Pole. She's not just, good. Just nowhere around it in this one. They gave her nonsense to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, she could not do it. I agree. Yeah, man. Charlie Murphy acting like he gave me some kind of Bruce Lee cross kick or something. And you'll be old to be doing karate, doing karate with the 10-year-olds. <laughs> Uh, I hope Charlie Murphy never dies. Uh, too late. Damn. <laughs> it was really. It was a. It was a tough time. Damn. Rest in power, Charlie. Um. Fourth place last week was TOS, the original series. Yeah. This week we watched. Let that be your last battlefield. Bat it up. Okay, Enterprise is always on the way to do something. This week, there's a plague at the important commercial port of Arianus. Uh Uh-huh. They're going to go decontaminate it. But they discover a stolen shuttlecraft flying erratically in front of them in the middle of space. Mm -hmm. So they tractor it on in, and... The thief of the shuttlecraft is a weird dude who is jet black on the left side of his body and white on the right, perfect line right down the middle of his nose, and he collapses at their feet, because I think there was no more oxygen in the shuttle? That's probably why he's flying so weird. That's usually when I'm flying the weirdest. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Spock and McCoy have to do a little free jazz uh, assumption that he is a unique mutant. (laughs) That there is no way that anyone could have two different skin colors in any kind of pattern. They actually spend a significant amount of time discussing this after the credits. Like, it is apparently the most important thing about whatever's happening on this ship right now. That they got yeah, this fucking crazy skin guy. Wildly certain about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he comes to in sickbay, the, this guy whose name is Lokai uh, tells him he's no thief. He needed the shuttle. He's from an uncharted region of the galaxy. Kirk knows the planet by name. Sharon. Uh-huh. Uh, so it can't be that uncharted, but... I thought that was... I guess they don't know exactly where it is. They've heard of it. Pluto's moon? Yeah, it's spelled differently, okay. but 
Yes. Uh, he does not want to answer any detailed questions about this shuttle that Kirk is, uh, frankly, a little obsessed with. Mm. He wants to make sure this guy goes to jail. But they detect an alien ship. It's invisible in a way that I guess everyone thinks is impossible. Yeah. It's not like a Romulan ship. They want to make that very clear. They do specifically mention it. But Spock's readings on it are pretty good. Because you can tell it's an unarmed, fast, single-occupant scout ship. It approaches Enterprise on a collision course, but no collision ever happens because it just fucking vaporizes right next to him. And its occupant, Beale, appears on the bridge. Oh, boy. And this guy, he's black on the right side and white on the left side. Oh, no. Uh, but they don't notice that that's different. They're just like, ah, fuck. I guess the guy was not a mutant. Yeah, dude. All look same. I guess same. there's two of these boys. All look same to these guys. Yeah. Beale introduces himself as the chief officer of the Commission on Political Traitors. Yep. Which doesn't apparently doesn't ring any alarm bells. And tells Kirk that he's looking for Loki, who has been tried and convicted in absentia of treason. Hmm. Uh, but I guess Kirk has a prior claim and there's no extradition treaty. The best he can do is he could take him down to sick bay so the two can argue. And from the argument, it becomes clear that Loki is from some kind of racial <clears throat> underclass. Yes. And, um, uh, Beale starts making some, uh, pretty recognizable Talking points here. Hits some talking points that Lokai's people are no longer actually slaves. Yeah, there's a lot in here that is um, uncomfortably close. There are some direct parallels, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, that they're trying to advance too far, too quickly. Jerks. Uh, that they used to be savages and that they should be grateful for the gift of civilization. Right? <laughs> Uh, Loki says Beale wants genocide, that he and others like him are plotting to gain power. But when they reach Sharon, the people are going to be with him on his side. Mm. But he also demands political asylum. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he don't want to get brought back by the committee on... For political traitors. Yeah, political right. traitors, yeah. <clears throat> um, Kirk refuses to take the ship to Sharon, because again, they've got this plague. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really matter, because as soon as Beale leaves the room, he somehow makes Enterprise head there? Yeah. All the usual stuff. They can't control the ship. Uh -huh. It's going at, like, warp 10. Every week. Every fucking week. It's the same thing. Basically the normal routine. Someone comes on Enterprise, they got all the powers in the world, and they're going to use them, and that's that. Anyway, they figure out that uh, Beale is somehow doing this, that they're going to share on. Beale tells them he has been hunting Loki for 50,000 years, and no one says dick about that. Uh-huh, yeah, no big deal. Uh, incidentally, what's wild about that is that he says that Beale's people haven't been slaves for 1,000 years, or Loki's people haven't been slaves for 1,000 years, yeah. but he's been hunting him for 50,000. Maybe so. he meant before that journey started. Yeah, it could be. It's like when I you've been know. on vacation and you're like, yeah, just yesterday. And then you realize, oh, I've been on vacation for like two weeks. I was actually like 15 days ago. It's like yeah. that. This is his vacation. That could be. That could explain that odd thing. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, for some reason, Kirk thinks he's got some power in this situation. So he orders uh, them to be put in the brig. 
despite the fact that Beale has somehow, with his mind, <laughs> taken control of the starship. Yep. Uh, it turns out they can't do that either because these guys have personal shields that appear around them and prevent them from being harmed. Yeah. So Kirk's got one play left. He's going to blow up the ship. And they do a little tense scene where they all read out their destruct codes. Thank God. Uh, the, the thing counts down until if it goes one, even one more second, they won't be able to stop it. And finally, Beale relents. And Kirk gets control of the ship back from him. And then he just says, all right, you guys are free to uh, wander around on the ship. I'm not <laughs> mad about this at all. Yep. And do whatever you want. <clears throat> so Loki immediately goes to the rec room and starts making speeches. For some reason, Chekhov and Sulu were there. Oh, yeah, man. He's radicalizing the crew. Right. Uh, and Beale pals it up with Kirk and Spock and drinks wine and whatever. Mm. Has dinner with the with the elites of the ship. Absolutely. Um, Starfleet tells them, uh, well, you can't just have Loki. But we're pretty sure that if you just go through the motions and put your case before an extradition hearing, well, we're going to turn him over to you. To us, he's just a shuttle thief. Like, we don't care. Right. Yeah, like, it's not it's not actually a big deal, especially because we got the shuttle back, and it, maybe it smells a little funny or whatever, but it's fine. He turned off the oxygen. We can fix that. It's easy. Yeah, we just put more oxygen in it. It's yeah. not a big deal. Uh, but at this point, Beale's just, like, real mad. Yeah. And he's he wonders why no one can tell that why why no one can tell that Loki is of an inferior breed, and then he finally explains to Kirk and Spock that the whole thing is about I'm black on the right side and he's black on the left side. Yeah, don't ever compare us to one another. We are different. Right. So uh that sucks. Anyway, yeah, that's that Enterprise. famous Star Trek moment that I think we've probably been waiting for since we started doing this project is to hear the guy right. say, he is black on the left, I am black on the right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Enterprise finishes its decontamination of Arianus, and Kirk orders the ship taken to Starbase 4. But at this point, uh, because Beale had a dry run, he burns out the directional control and the self-destruct banks from the computer. Hmm. So now he can just take them all the way to Sharon. Um, but they don't wait till they get there. They just start fighting on the bridge, Beale and Lokai. And Kirk tells him, hey, if you keep this up, you're just going to die in space. This will be your last battlefield. And then he looks right at the camera. He does. He does indeed. Um, and I guess I guess that convinces him because Beale turns control of the ship over. But anyway, they're at Sharon. Yeah, it now. don't matter now. They're there and they can just use their sensors to find... It is a dead world. Mm. Uh, apparently recently dead. Sure. The cities are full of corpses, even though there are plant and animal life is encroaching on the city. But I guess all the coyotes haven't finished eating or whatever. No. Uh, th so everybody in their hate killed each other. Yep. I think the sensors detected and, that too. They were, it was the yeah, hate. They were getting a lot of residual hate. Mm -hmm. Kirk says, give up your hate and live in the Federation. But Loki runs off and Beale follows him. And for some reason, they're both exhausted and they're thinking about a house fire. <laughs> You're not wrong. And Spock gives play by play <laughs> as they head for the transporter room and they beam down to the ruined world of Sharon, All presumably right. to fight it out forever. Hold on a second. Enterprise leaves. That was a lot of judgment. What do you think about when you're tired? Well, it's mostly house fires, but like, exactly. it doesn't make sense. Why? 
Why were they so exhausted that they were holding their hands I'm, up at their sides limp? Dude, it has been a long day. It has been a long so. 50,000 years, and they just found out that hate killed everyone on their planet. <laughs> and also, they can't, they got a house fire stuck in their head, and they can't stop thinking about it. I would be yeah. pretty tired, too. Yeah. No, that's it, bro. They did it. <sighs> well, what's this one about? I'm going to let Ben go first, because I'm angry about this episode. Ben said, um,. Hate leads to self and mutual destruction, and eye for an eye makes everyone blind. That's certainly a version of what people are saying in this episode. He gave that a five. Yeah, that's the... That's the not political version of what's happening in this episode. Uh, Yeah, I said, should the blacks, uh, probably women too, and everybody else, just wait patiently for things to work themselves out? Instead of try? Free themselves? Get equality. This question's a hate crime. Yeah. He literally says, you both must end up dead if you don't stop fighting. You both. Yep. Yep. Oh, you know, he makes it clear that he doesn't like either of them. Yeah, I gave it zero points. Yeah. Um, this is... When we were thinking... When we were starting this dumb thing... Yeah. And we were thinking... So, again, I know it's been a while, so let's just go over this... This dumb thing started because we were saying, what's the best Star Trek? And you and I said, TNG. There's no question it's the best one. Yeah. But we have people in our orbit. Marjan says TNG too. Her argument is that the later seasons of TNG are the best. Well, we'll see. Yes. And that is what that is what my part of this is about. Right. Um, and uh, but 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 people uh, like Marjan and Ben give a lot of credit to mm. big big ideas big stories yeah. and this is one of those right because this is the big anti-racism episode. in my head it was big in my head i only remembered the anti-racism yeah and we're like ah he's black on the left he's, he's what a black silly on. See, distinction it's, it's a reducti it's reductio ad absurdum yes. that's what they're doing yeah, oh, they're look. showing how how stupid racism is how it has no basis mm -hmm. and how humans have to move beyond it anyway they're not that's not what they're saying in this episode it turns out all. that this this episode boils down to both of these people are extremists and they're going to destroy everything we've worked for. Mm -hmm. And it's how weak, how disappointing. Yeah, we'll get into more in execution, but wait, so your take then encapsulated? I, I Yeah, that's it. I, I almost never give a zero for a take that I can identify, and so I give it one point in this case. Okay. But I was... At about the 45-minute mark, when these guys were like, uh, uh, I bet lots of Loki's followers have died, though, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, just, dri just drives it home. Yeah. And then you think about stuff like, ah, well, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are, let's flip into execution so you can keep talking about it. <clears throat> um... Well, first, let's say that Ben gives it a four. Okay. Uh, he obviously he knew the black white uh, guy was going to be there, so but he says it's still visually striking. Um, he thinks it's an interesting way to talk about slavery openly. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> in the nineteen sixties, they probably didn't want to talk about it. There is some questionable cinematography in this one. <laughs> and he focuses in on a pulsing zoom on the red alert lights where the camera just smash zooms in and out as this 
klaxon, not in sync, but as the klaxon sounds. Uh huh. And then he says, I forgot this was so personal. Yeah. And that Enterprise gets mentally hijacked and they have powers. Uh, there's a weird spot shot where Spock is listening in to Loki's speech. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything about it. It's not clear what it means to him at all. But and then they have the stupid theory that where they assert <laughs> that Loki's ancestors must have been monocolored. Yeah, they're doing some real fucking um, colonial fucking uh, anthropology or some bullshit here, where they're making some wild guesses on these people's skin colors. And again, I mean, I talk about it in mind. There is so much discussion of this guy's skin. Yeah. They are so fucking mind blown by this thing. And even and that was the first time I realized, oh, this episode's not about what I think it's about. Because if it was about <laughs> what a silly distinction it was that one guy was black on the left and one guy was black on the right, we wouldn't already have spent the first five minutes with this dude just talking about his skin color. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so uh, Ben gave it a four. I also gave it a four. Okay. This episode does a lot of work to draw parallels with Brace Hatred and show it in a silly light, and it works for the first 40 minutes, and they put lots of nice little touches in there. But then, there's the chase through the ship, and some real explaining drugs to Wesley Bridge work that really let the whole thing down. Yeah. It's hard not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, also, someone flunked out of film school <laughs> yeah. with the very melodramatic self-destruct sequence and uh-huh. the zooming in and out on the red alert panels. Real DS9 level cinematography. Yeah, all the great close-ups during the destruct sequence were really something. It is for sure the other thing you think about with Star Trek is wild Dutch angles on Kirk uh-huh. and only his eyes are illuminated and it was that kind of work. So I gave it a four. How about you? Uh, boy. Well, um, Okay. Was this progress in the 1960s to have this discussion, or was this just a way to get blacks and others to calm the fuck down and stop trying to get stuff? Like, this is some Trump-level, there-are-good-people-on-both-sides bullshit happening in this episode. Yeah, for sure. One guy brags about having the other dude's race in ghettos and stuff. (laughs) He's the bad guy. Yeah, he is the bad guy. Like, that's the thing. We don't. There's a real bad guy in this one. We don't need to hash it out. The other guy's not a bad guy. This episode is like, you're both so bad. You're both going to ruin everything. You're both going to get yourselves killed in your whole societies because you're both are just too much. And it's a real fucking, it's a real fuck you to people who are trying hard to get real life things worked out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge disappointment. Um, again, I told the offline, we talked about how I always, always look back at this episode as the silly to hate each other based on skin color, but nah, it's only, it's with cool heads and patience. Only with cool heads and patience can we have a peaceful society, even if one side is actively oppressing the other completely, which is such fucking garbage. I mean, this episode is, uh... Should you be tolerant of Nazis? Yeah. Like, oh, no, you're the intolerant ones because you won't let us spout our hatred everywhere. That's right. What about freedom of speech? Fuck you. I I, I wanted to punch this episode in the dick. Yeah. This is a real tough watch. Yeah, it was a one for me. I couldn't escape all of what they were doing in here. You know, I if things were different in 2019 than they are... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2019 doesn't make it any better to watch this. If we'd been doing this in 2009, maybe it wouldn't yeah, have been so hard. Yeah, maybe we would have looked at it and gone, ah, we've come a long way. We've come a yeah, long exactly. way since the 1960s. <laughs> but instead, we're just in it. We're just right in it. And you, Yeah, it's just uh, just back. You go, oh, yeah, no, it, everything's the same. It's all the same. It, so it was especially painful to watch it. Um, so anyway, yeah, just, just the one for me. Swinging around to world building. The planet Arianus and some kind of plague. Um, I've never mentioned it, but I always have really liked the swivelly nature of Kirk's chair. <laughs> I like how it swivels yeah. all around. He can like look at the people behind him and stuff. Well, it fucking kind of needs to, because the only way in or out of the bridge is directly behind Kirk. Yeah. So... People are constantly showing up behind him yes. that he don't know about. And like standing kind of off back at the side by the turbo lift yeah. and stuff. There is always someone who shouldn't be on the bridge just behind Kirk, and he has no idea. And also, since every other station also doesn't look at the turbo lift, no one knows. That's right. Um, Enterprise is a known quantity to this loci guy. Like, he's heard of Enterprise. And he sort of knows about the United Federation of Planets. Oh, I was definitely kicking around there long enough to steal a shuttle from Starbase 4. Mm-hmm. The planet Charon. Um, uh, this guy's been chasing Loki for 50,000 years, so these dudes obviously <laughs> live just a hell of a long time. They, they're going to live basically forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about the self-destruct sequence, um, which isn't that different from the other shows, but they probably based their stuff on this. Um, the way they all have to very seriously enter in a a fucking code all the way down to scotty as second officer or whatever he's supposed to be and then i really distracted myself trying to figure out if the codes made any sense oh because there was it seemed like there was some kind of sequencing because it's like one one a and then uh one one a two b but then scotty's is one b two b three and it's like wait what there's yes it was sort of sequential but not in a way that actually works was there supposed to be like does mccoy have the one one a two b three c code, <laughs> but Scotty's like got an auxiliary code, but he happened to be there. That's right. There's not a lot of bones and uh, bones in this one, and I'm okay with it because, I, like I said, I don't fuck with him no more. Oh, he mostly shows up to spout racial theories uh-huh. in this one, frankly. Uh, due process still exists, I guess. Kirk brags about it. Um, yep. Spock says Vulcan was once like Sharon, based on almost no information about that planet. Uh, I straight up expected him to say that once they used to have race hatred and they did, but no, it turns out that's not what he had to say at all. He didn't have anything to say. Remember that the premise of this episode is, uh, if you protest, then you, uh, have hatred and hatred is bad. Yeah. You're part of the problem. Um, right. He has no information about this planet, but still makes the parallel. It's uh, fascinating. The guy doesn't go, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You don't know anything about us. Like why? Shut up. Um, just a two for me. Uh, uh, I agree that it's a two as well. We have uh, commercial lanes, yep. protocols for treating unknown species medically. I mean, uh, where apparent, which apparently is just assume he's human. Enterprise's sensors can detect sapiens. Yeah. Uh, we have a powerful, nearly immortal race. Oh, and it's super, super, super dumb that Enterprise knows basically where Sharon is, even though it's in unmapped space. Yeah, they know about it. They've heard of it. He knows it's in between uh, 410 Mark 7 and 410 Mark 9. Mm-hmm. 
I will get into it. I don't know what 410 means because <laughs> now we're we're out of the realm of degrees. Yes, we ran out. We ran out of a while ago, guys. Guys, what is it? Which way is that? Uh, and that's very dumb. I gave it two points. Even though the idea of commercial lanes and a nexus and there was a plague on there, that all could have been interesting, but it doesn't matter because also they disinfect it by just flying over it and there's not even an effect yeah, that they're that suggests that they're doing anything. Uh, ben gave it as many as five. That's a lot. Yeah, he says red alert is so commonplace that those people strolling in the corridor don't seem alarmed or in a hurry. That's true. I think they just didn't the know what they were shooting. Yeah, the self destruct codes are easy, although there is voice print. Right. Uh, they need three officers to set it into motion. Enterprise can be rigged to be a crop duster. Both of these mixed breeds are assholes, so he bought in on yeah, that. And then, uh, wow, they got to Sharon quick. And I want you to think about what you did. Yeah. He's a three on characterization. Uh, fine performances from the usual cast, but it's nothing new. But uh, the black and white guys are the stars. It's true. They do most of the work in this episode, which can be good if the guests are good. But since one of the guests was the Riddler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a four on characterization. Okay. Kirk is irritated the whole time and could not be less interested in the particulars of this conflict. Right. And that means that we never learn, for instance, what Beal means when he says Loki has killed thousands of people. Yeah. Who the people like Beal are that are trying to take power. I don't know what we're supposed to get from Spock listening in on Beal's speech in the rec room. He looks real suspicious, but we don't know. It never, it, nothing happens. It doesn't. Yeah, nothing. Nothing comes out of that. I just don't know what to do with it at all. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought Chekhov and Sulu seemed uh, a little bit scared during the self-destruct sequence. <laughs> yep. And I thought that was okay, but I wonder what it means that they were the ones listening to Loki speak. Like, I oh, what does yeah. it sets up a weird hierarchy on the ship that I don't know how I feel yeah, about. Yeah, they're the underclass, and they're also a Japanese American. We know he was born in San Francisco. Yeah, I was born there, uh, and a Russian. Yes, and we know what they think about the underclasses. Well, they are there to assert that there is no further racism in fact it is so gone from human society that it is a thing that they've only sort of heard about in history books also they don't even use the word racism they just say prejudice so i thought it was kind of a mess but not not awful i gave it four why does kirk need to go catch this shuttle thief personally Uh, it seems like the plague should be way more important can't they just tell starfleet where the shuttle is even if the enterprise is going to do it of course, he needs to go down there. I'm okay, going to go down, true. and I'm going to deal with this shuttle thief myself. And it's like, is he just bored? Like, Is it coming out of your bonus, Kirk? <laughs> it's right. It's the shuttle from this, from this uh, Starbase got stolen, and you have to pay for it. <laughs> How does this work? Yeah, I don't know what's happening with him. I don't... It, fucked up, it fucked up the whole sector's bonus. The, whole, the sector contribution to my bonus got totally fucked. The, they said our shrinkage was higher than it's ever been and that I'm in trouble. Um, Like, does he hate everyone on the bridge and he doesn't want to sit there with them? I just, I never understand why he's so personally involved in everything that happens. It's like the yeah. opposite of the other Star Treks where often the captains are just like, they ain't around. Yeah, in another Star Trek, 
uh, Loki would have stumbled out of that shuttle and Jordy would have called up and told Picard he had to come see this. <laughs> Cisco would have purposely sent O'Brien down to make first contact with him on yes. the theory that he's just kind of a lumpy everyman and it'll be okay if he runs into this guy. <laughs> Ugh. Um, anyway, uh, Kirk is sure if he keeps saying this ship is going to Arianus, he can make it happen through force of personality. Yeah, he tells that guy definitely. over and over that this ship, for sure, without a doubt, is going to Arianus, and you can't stop it. Yeah, Kirk believes in the secret for sure. <laughs> That's right, putting it out there. Uh, Kirk also threatens to destroy the ship, which is a real Janeway move. Uh, maybe she learned it from him. Um, Kirk laughs at these dudes about their racial differences. Just laughs right in their face, which is great work as a diplomat. That's true. Uh, when they clearly find that uh, the difference between them is huge and he and Spock are just like smiling at each other like, look at these fucking guys. Can you believe these fucking guys? What? Can you believe what? these? Look at them. Look at them. Put them side by side. Okay, now guys, like switch around a whole bunch of times and we'll see if we can name you. Oh, pretend to be a mirror. <laughs> it's like, it's... He, oh, you guys could do the mirror thing. He's not far from saying this stuff out loud. Yeah. Um, And again, he insists they're really... It's really good people on both sides. Or in this case, bad people on both sides. Uh, McCoy hates having to answer medical questions. Yep. So annoyed in that whole scene after the credits where they keep asking him questions. Spock comes at him real salty about this, too. Mm-hmm. Like, did he give Spock some bad pills one time? Because he's like, I don't know, that's what you give humans. And now Spock's <laughs> just in his face all the time about it. Spock... Spock is passing on what he always gets on the bridge when he's looking in the scanner and Kirk's yelling at him about how he doesn't know what it is. That's true. That's true. He's just dishing it back out. Uh, Spock's obsessed with this dude's skin and Kirk doesn't blame him. Um, Spock spies on this dude when he's trying to radicalize the crew. (laughs) And again, he finds the differences between them literally smirkable. It's a two for me. Uh, But surely you must have some quick hitters. Yeah, uh, Ben said real quick, those guys are mad sweaty under their black paint. I assume the lighting in there is not great for all that makeup. No. And, uh, oh shit, that guy called the other guy a half black. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, And these guys run like jackasses when they run, he says. (laughs) Well, it's true. There aren't a lot of great natural runners in Star Trek's history. No, it turns out it's tough to do on screen because, A, you can't run any faster than the guy who's running backwards with the camera. That's right. So that's a real limitation. And if the camera's static, you'll run out of the shot in one quarter second. B, there's only about 15 feet of corridor to run through. And we mentioned uh, some weeks back during the Rogue Adenar episode, Worf sprinting at him in the corridor was the first time I'd seen someone run full speed on Star Trek. And it looked wild, right? It was like, oh shit, Worf's after him! You're used to the Federation jog. Yep. Which he does in a lot of that episode. Worf does the Federation job. Oh, yeah. But at that one moment, he sprints at him. And I went, oh, shit, we saw someone run. Uh, let's see. What would the southernmost part of the galaxy be exactly? Southern so compared good. to what? Just go south from Earth and keep going? I. It's a good question. I, I think it's just you just have to assign some coordinates to the galaxy or else nothing makes sense. Again, this guy's the Riddler, or um, Marjan and I kept making jokes about how he, he, he we watched a, we watched part of a K-drama called Love Story in Harvard, where the Riddler- <laughs> Was Frank Gorshin in The there? Riddler shows up as the one of the professors at Harvard who is a real racist and constantly complains about how Chinese students keep buying their way into Harvard. 
ah, he's playing the same character as <laughs> when he was here. I kept, I just kept ad libbing for him about how the Chinese students were too much for him to bear. Um, Scotty gave a look during the destruct sequence, like even he didn't buy Kirk's fake ass plan. Yeah, he was looking. at him like, mm. I mean, I mean, I'll do it if you want. He's, I see how under his breath he mouth. You might as well say we have a Corbomite device installed. <laughs> yeah, why didn't he go with that? He's done it twice. That's why he forgot about it. Um, this ship has been commandeered 50 times at this point. Has Kirk ever threatened to blow it up before? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he tried to blow it up when they were crossing the... Um, uh, one of the times they were crossing galactic the... Galactic barrier. One of the yeah. five times they crossed the galactic barrier. But then he didn't give the order to blow it up, if I remember correctly. They just called him In on that it? instance, they had, like, Scotty's finger was hovering over the ship, and he just never gave the order. Mm. Uh, sabotage. We've certainly never seen this procedure. Kirk says sabotage in this one again. He does. That's just how he says it. Yep. Kirk said the name of the episode, which you pointed out earlier. He sort of, he doesn't say it exactly. He sort of half says it. This dude, the Riddler, his body motions were very Riddler-like a lot of the time. And I guess that's just him. Yeah, I think that's just how he is. That's what he does. He was kind of like, had his arms at his side, kind of wiggling about at one point when he was mad at the other guy. That's it. Um, I got a few. Uh, maybe it's because the of the internet, but like I've seen a lot of pictures of cats with this exact bilateral color thing. Yeah, they got it a lot. Where it's like half half of them are black and half of them are calico or something, and it's it is really like straight line right down the middle of the face. Yeah, and maybe they'll have a patch somewhere or something, so it's not perfect, but like it's pretty close. So like. When I saw this dude, my immediate thought was some kind of like, you know, like even if you, that's just how he is, but you could just say, oh, is this some kind of a chimera or something like that? But uh, McCoy goes straight for one of a kind mutant. I guess he hasn't seen those cat pictures. First, first time I saw that guy, I assumed he was wearing makeup. And like, yeah, well, also it does look like it's looks like stage makeup. So, so I thought it was uh, maybe like a uh, cultural markings, you know. By the way, especially in HD, where you're like, well, the inside of his mouth and eyes are real pink, so <laughs> it doesn't seem like this is just his skin. Yep. Um, from the costume department, do we paint his hands too? Oh fuck no! Just have him make some lavender gloves. <laughs> You can. There's definitely lots of scenes where you can see that their wrists are white person skin color. They don't think about that a lot. Oh, they had to have the the gloves are made of the same material as the rest of the outfit, so they definitely made those gloves for this. What I mean is, they often do not paint the hands. There yeah. are many aliens who just show up with regular ass hands, and you go, oh, "Come on, no, guys!" I mean, look, I get it. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was bagging on him for not repainting the bottom of Yvonne Craig's feet green. <laughs> right? Yep. So what? Damned if they do and damned if they don't. And like, if you're gonna do it with gloves, then don't let me see under the gloves. Yep, that seems fair. Uh, I don't know if you had this experience, but I thought certain times, particularly when he's talking, Frank Gorshin looks a little bit like Dave Foley. I didn't, though. Now I'm imagining Dave Foley in that exact same makeup. Well, that's a news radio that they never did and for some I, Yes, I was going to say, that would be a great Halloween costume if they did another Halloween episode. Yeah. 
Uh, Kirk, with a lucky guess that although Beale can control the whole ship, he can't interrupt the computer self-destruct mechanism. I figured he must not be controlling the computer, per se. He must just be fucking moving that ship. Physically moving the ship. Because yeah. otherwise it's like... I don't know why Kirk knows that. He's fucking smart enough to get into the exact systems to fly the ship, so he should be able to do the destruct. But yeah, that's that's what I was figuring. <clears throat> Uh, Loki was really hitting all the talking points. He was even working uh, Vietnam in there when he said they send us off to fight wars that uh, that then they they profit on. Said, what are right. all the things that we white males are tired of hearing about in 1968 a, or whatever? And really, when you get to the end and you realize <laughs> that's what it is, they were like, "Oh, that was supposed to be an absurd thing that only an extremist would say. Yeah, not a reasonable, not a reasonable take at all. That was a frankly an un-American take. That's right." And, uh, whereas I'm sitting here in 2019 going, yep, that sounds like the black experience in Vietnam to me. Hey guys, uh, I'm writing this episode. What other things are you sick of hearing the hippies talk about? Is there anything else? I'll put it in. I don't care. Uh, why are they working Vietnam in? Oh yeah. That's, you know, that's, oh, that's a Vietnam. good point. They do say shit like that. Got a dumb shit like that. Fucking hippies and blacks. Uh, on the other hand, they have Beale not believing in evolution. <laughs> I was waiting for one of these two boys to pop off about the difference between men and women just to sort of be every Star Trek episode at once. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think they're at the end of the scene where Spock's like, listen, we don't. First of all, uh, it's ridiculous that you think you two look different. Secondly, <laughs> uh, uh, we got logical, so forget all that. And then the dude's like, hey, I've heard that some people in your uh, federation believe that you were descended from apes. <laughs> And then Spock's like, uh, sort of. And that's just the end of the scene. Yeah. So they threw that in just to show how dumb these idiots are. How come I guess. Spock didn't tell them about the one universal Christian God? That's it's it's <laughs> wild that he didn't. Frankly, he must. That was his. That was him showing his diplomatic skills right there. Right. It's like I'll save this one. And then I wondered if they meant to put in some decontamination effect, but forgot. <laughs> like maybe during the remastering. Because the ship's just that's flying why, over the planet. Yeah. It's just literally like, and they do it twice. So the second time I was really looking for any kind of shimmer or green light or whatever the fuck. You could be right. They just totally missed it. And then if they're not paying any attention, they don't. Later on, they're like, okay, just a shot of it flying over a planet. We're good there. You already brought up sabotage. And so my last quick hitter was I just wrote, oh, no, this running. <laughs> just very bad. Yeah, I don't know. That they're uh, panting and running. We, they're only going down three decks or whatever, but they're just uh, uh, sweating and swinging their arms. I don't know what the direction fire. was on that one. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the direction was, this is a metaphor. <laughs> you guys, right now... All of this is a metaphor. Now think of the, the long racial journey. Right. And run that out. Just imagine you're chasing each other through all of time. And also prejudice go isn't this hatred that you both have equally <laughs> exhausting aren't isn't the guilt that you both have for being bad guys isn't that uh, aren't you tired aren't you ready to let that go oh, must be wearing you out i gave best actor to the riddler i guess and worst actor to kurt gives some speeches without any commitment to them <laughs> he does He's, he doesn't care about this nah in a way, in a way, you should be best actor for that because I I suspect the character did not care about this. <laughs> well, that was all the cues we were given was that he didn't. Um, third place last week, yeah, was Voyager. It's pretty good for them. 
This week we watched Day of Honor. That one's for you, Marjo. She's never going to know what she missed because you know she don't listen to these. <laughs> she would be very silly, too. She's just busy. Sorry, everyone out there who listens to these. I didn't mean to imply anything, but also, what are you doing? Yeah, get it together, guys. Grow up. Um, Seven of Nine wakes up from her, uh, her docking station when Chaco walks into the cargo bay. She says she needs a fucking hobby or something because sitting in the hey. cargo bay sucks ass as you'd expect. Hey, it sucks down here. I used to have infinity mines inside <laughs> yeah, my head. Now it's very and quiet. Now I'm in a dark, quiet zone. Can you put some lights in here? What's hey, happening? I think this might be against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah, this is cruel and unusual. Just a heads up. So give me something to do, please. Uh, Chaco, he's the one responsible for the duty assignments, I guess. So uh, she has a very specific request for him. Cut to engineering where Balana is the shitty boss everybody wants. Just yelling at poor Vorik, who we already know has the scary hots for her. But I guess unless it's Pon Far time again, um, he probably won't work up the anger to shout back at her. Anyway. Yeah, I know this this show plays fast and loose with time sometimes, <laughs> but I don't think we've got to sit through another seven years until he gets Pon Far again. I think he's going to get it again pretty soon. <laughs> That's every seven years, right? I think it's supposed to be, but I don't know, man. Oh yeah, who knows what the what his meditation ended up doing or whatever, yeah. or that dumb fist fight he had. Or maybe they'll hit an anomaly. That's a good way to that explain away anything. Um, TP comes into engineering and harasses her about being more Japanese again. And um, I have to keep going with Japanese on this. And I guess there's uh, some kind of ritual this time that she doesn't want to do, but he really wants her to do. For boner he's, reasons, no doubt. He's way too involved about it, and he asserts that it's part of her. It's part of her, and she has to do it for, for him, mainly. Uh, Chaco comes in, too, and tells Balana about Seven's duty request. Uh, she doesn't like that, either. It's a bad day to be B. Credits. Janeway asks Seven to um, give her word that she would not try to contact the Borg again so that she can give her that sweet engineering job she asked Chaco for. Uh, then she tells her her name is too long and she needs to shorten it. <laughs> yep. Uh, a Katadi captain, they're, they're new, uh, hails Voyager and says they were assimilated a year ago by the Borgs and they all just flying around in some ships out there and they need... They're Battlestar galacta it up, Yeah, basically. they need supplies and things and medical help. Um... Uh, then Balana interrogates Seven in engineering about feeling guilty about what the Borg did to these people like it could possibly have been her fault. Yep. Balana is uh, now sulking in the mess hall later when Neelix brings her a blood pie for the Day of Honor. Everybody's stepping in it today. Um, she tells him she's passing on the rituals this year. He offers to let her like swear at him. He offers to be basically her emotional sub. Uh, to make to make her feel better whenever she likes. I assume also for boner reasons. Yeah, you can come in and step on my balls and high heels whenever you want. Uh-huh. I'll just. Be I don't ready. know if that would be helpful to you at all. I'll just but like, be waiting. I'll just have my hands tied up in my quarters. And you could make me wear a diaper, maybe. That's pretty humiliating. You'd enjoy. You want that, me to crawl right? around on the ground and like eat stuff off the ground? I'll do that. What are you into? I'm into it. <laughs> Anyway, Kess is finally gone, so I gotta figure some shit out. 
Like I had to a lot. Of, turns out I had a lot of hopes pinned on her, but now I'm getting wild. Anyway, for some reason, this motivates her to go through with the dumb Day of Honor rituals. Anyway, um, yeah, I would describe that as unmotivated, but that's very charitable. Uh, hot, she hits the holodeck and she eats and drinks a bunch of nasty shit. And then a Klingon asks her if she's as cool as Kales was, and she gets kind of defensive. And the Klingons try to rape her. No, no, not that, not that. Just hit her with pain sticks. She busts out and kicks their ass and goes back to her quarters where, of course, TP comes by to make her feel even worse about not being Klingon enough. Yep. Then he tells her her feelings are getting boring and that she needs to stop running away from her Klingon heritage. Then he tells her she's going to end up alone. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. Meanwhile, the Katadi... It doesn't help her bad day that she's having. No, sure. her day's a little worse, I think, after he shows up. Uh, this Katari guy, he's on board now begging for more help, and then he accuses them of being, like, stingy with all the cool technology and, and shit that they have. Takes a couple of cracks at them about their full bellies yeah. a bunch of times. They are real mad about it, and they hate refugees. Points specifically at Harry Kim, and he's like, why me? <laughs> you and Chakotay's right here. You and that TP guy, if you keep getting fatter, they're gonna have to change the name of this show to Pigs in Space. I don't remember what the anecdote was from that book. Do you remember? There was something in the script about them, in the script about them having to lose weight and it specifically called out Harry Kim and Tom Paris and the actors were real mad about it. <laughs> no, that's, I don't remember that's that. That's from part. that ambush book. The Voyagers, the, first of all, there's so much less. Like they treat the later shows with so little care yes. after they get through the TNG and DS9 stuff. Sort of fair. Um... Anyway, they already hate refugees because every time they run into them, it's the refugees that are the bad guys. So uh, they eventually do agree to give more food and supplies and a lot of stink eye. And then the guy, this Katati guy, sees TP and Seven walking down the corridor and he goes fucking ape when Tuvok tells him it's a former Borg drone that he's looking at. Uh, he's frankly a little wild before... Because he basically just shrieks, what species is that? <laughs> I think he has a and points at her. <laughs> he sees something familiar about her. She's got that, like, Eyeball she's got thing. that orbital ring, like a, you know, she could be any kind of cyborg. This guy doesn't know what yeah, a Yeah, it could just be a Lobot, a, a fucking average yeah. Lobot. Um, he should if, if Tuvok had just said, she's human, that's jewelry, it would have been cool. Yep, but Tuvok's not cool. So he tells him it's a former Borg drone, and the guy gets real fucking worked up, but they, they get him away from her. And then TP gives Seven a pep talk about adjusting to life on Voyager, and then they head to engineering to do a controlled test of a, a Borg-style transwarp? Uh, yeah, yes. This is the thing that uh, Seven of Nine wanted... She just wanted a job in engineering. And this is what she came they up with? made up this idea this morning. Yeah. That she could maybe help them with a transwarp. Anyway, they're ready to do it. I was very confused. I I was like, well, we're doing this now? When did this come up before? Um, but it's not so very controlled, and the whole ship breaks. They even have to eject the warp core. This is the worst it's ever broken. It's real bad. Um, TP and Balana get into a shuttle to go and retrieve it. But now the Katari have claimed it for their own. Because refugees, man, you gotta watch out for them. They're here to steal all your shit. Um... They try to interrupt the Katari tractor beam, but they do a techno babble of their own and damage the shuttle. And now Balana and TP have to get into spacesuits, beam into space. And they watch their shuttle explode. They work on a techno babble solution to enhance the communication systems <clears throat> so they can contact yep. Voyager. 
Back on Voyager, Janeway starts to interrogate Seven about the transwarp test to see if she did a sabotage. Uh, it's the nice kind, though. The nice kind of interrogation with tea and probably little sandwiches. Uh, the kind that's a lie? Where she lies to her? Yes, the lying kind. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Seven easily deflects suspicion by saying she don't really know so much about lying. She's not yeah. good at it. Um, back at the green screen, I mean in outer space, one of the suits takes damage from ion turbulence. Yeah. And they, the shuttle went through some ion turbulence on the way They in, made sure so. to go back and write that in the script earlier when they yes, came up with Chekhov's. Chekhov's eye on turbulence. <laughs> yes. And they have to share one suit's source of oxygen, but also that one's broken too, so they only have half an hour until yeah. the air runs out. So there's your ticking yeah. clock that will be completely It definitely ignored. seems like what happens on Voyager takes about 15 or 16 hours, <laughs> but yes, they have half an hour's worth of oxygen <laughs> left. Ticking clock to be ignored by everyone. Back on Voyager, the Katadi Armada comes to see Voyager, but now... In a Voyager tradition, the refugees prove to be the real villains. They threaten Voyager and demand all kinds of stuff, including the Borg drone Seven of Nine. Balana and TP start to talk about facing death instead of shutting up and conserving air. Meanwhile, Seven thinks she can save the ship by giving herself up first. Sorry, by giving herself up. That's her first plan. Then, her second plan is to design a matrix that will allow the Katari to replicate enough thorium to get back on their feet, because all their shit runs on thorium. It's a weird order to suggest those ideas, but that's what she did. Um, yeah, but the... So the implication <laughs> is that it's... the It's not Borg thinking? Yeah. And that she's, lear she's learning to be... This is the second episode where she's not a the whole Borg. She got the cat suit last week. That's right. Well, Janeway doesn't she miss is, the opportunity. She is learning how to think like a human. Janeway doesn't miss the opportunity to say, I told you you were hella human, didn't I? See? About Seven's great and selfless yeah. ideas. I, I told you race would be the determining factor. That's right. Eventually your DNA will prove everything. Um. Anyway, Seven builds one in like less than three minutes. One of these matrices. Seriously, because yeah, it's gotta be quick. Balana and TP are just hanging out there with no air before that scene and are in the exact same condition afterward. Goes to work with Vorik, and it is just enough time for for them to get the thing <laughs> and the threat. Also, Voyager yeah. has to go to where the shuttle well, they was. Have to, I think they have to get their warp core back in. Oh yeah, they have to put the warp they have core to put back, it back in without and warp their in. chief engineer. And then they got to warp over and <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Katadi are satisfied with this matrix that she builds and go on their way. Balana says those three magic words to TP, and he responds with a snide remark, and then they choke away the last of their air as Voyager shows up to save the day. Yeah. What is this great, great show telling us in this chapter of Voyager? It's tough, right? This is a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Well, start with I... Ben. Okay, all right, yeah, let's start with Ben. Ben gave it a... Acts of... Acts of kindness pay off for you in the end. Sure, but since everyone got paid off in the end, it doesn't have any moral strength to it. He gives it a four. Yeah. Uh, I think the take in this episode is something like, you can only hide from yourself for so long. Okay. Like, obviously, <laughs> this episode is just moving the Paris Torres stuff from A to B. Yeah. And still has to establish seven of nine as a character so because they've got to do all that i don't think they had a lot to say this week but 
Taurus has to come to terms with her feelings mm. and seven has to embrace a human way of thinking. I think that's, that's as close to a take as we're going to get. It's not a great take. I'm going to give it three points because again, it relies on this determinism. Yes. Balana's a Klingon. So she needs to come to terms with thoughts about personal honor and ugh. yeah, seven to seven. And I mean, as a human and she has to do human. Yeah, I just to uh, do human. I like the way you said it better than what I had. I was so lost. I came up with when in a rut, a change of philosophy can cure what ails you, which is so general and nothing. But I like yeah. this other thing about you can only run from yourself for so long because I think they do. Oh, we are being told. It's the, the, it's this the is assertion. what's in them. Yes, it is an assertion. <clears throat> Um, that this stuff is really inside Bolana and it's important to her and she needs to come to terms with it. And really she's running away from this relationship with Tom Paris, right? Like that's, yeah. that's why she's being so shitty to him. Even though, okay. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and, um, this whole time she, that's the main thing for Bolana in this one, right? She's bummed out about life and she comes to learn that she's been running away from all of her problems instead of facing them head on. And right. seven's facing a new challenge and getting along with this crew and has to shift her way of thinking in order to get by and save the ship in this case um i think what it was really saying if i was going to be cynical hey young women out there you're helpless but don't worry there's an asshole around every corner to tell you the truth about yourself because that's tp's role and that's janeway's role so you 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 didn't mention this because why would you? But after Seven of Nine gets shrieked at by that weirdo, yeah. Tom Paris makes a real big point of telling her, "I don't I don't think of you that way." I, He's just getting all the nice guy points. Yeah, I thought he was gonna try to rail her as revenge because he knows Bellana hates her. Yeah, it didn't it really seem and that's like how bad he is. He was turning to her because he's frustrated about Bolana and Bolana hates her mm-hmm. and so he's trying to work anyway I don't know if the writers put that in intentionally or if that was an acting mistake <laughs> you it's always possible with uh like Tom Paris acts the, uh, sorry uh uh fuck what's that guy's name John David nah it's Robert something right Duncan O'Neill Robert Duncan O'Neill I always know it's three Did, names and three white names, and then I'm just lost after that. Accident. Also, I think it's Robert Duncan McNeil. There you go. Uh, <laughs> accidentally did a bad acting, but in a way that imparted another idea. <laughs> That's right. Like that was yeah. supposed to be a straight thing where he was offering the his support to her. Didn't stop him and go. Now, see what you did there was you messed up, and in the worst way because <laughs> you messed up and made the scene something else. You didn't just yeah, make like it, it was, dumb. You made it say it, something else. It was supposed to be like, this is the guy who always has makes mistakes and he doesn't want to be judged based on his past. And so he's like, yes, yeah. yeah, Seven of Nine was part of the Borg collective, but that doesn't mean she's a monster person. Yeah, like when I did all but those crimes instead, on he purpose. Did, instead, he did a bunch of fuck eyes about uh-huh. it. And it was like, ah, now, shit. Here is why Do- I wanted to know if you had done acting before. Because <laughs> this is going on the pitfalls. It's pretty tough, right? You made it a difference. Tougher than you thought, huh? All right, well, we'll try it again. Nope, he didn't do that at all. That's the take we get. <clears throat> anyway, what, sorry. How many points did you I'll give, give this it a three, one like you. I, I, that's what I had originally, anyway. So I'll, I'll, yeah. um, I'll give it a three. I, I just thought it was, it was Tom Paris telling them about themselves, and it was Janeway telling Seven about herself, and it was just like, 
they really give these characters no fucking ability to manage their lives. These young women in particular. They're well, like, it, you guys I, are gonna, real fuck ups. It's going to fucking come up again. So I might as well say it, but Star Trek's other than TNG really are focused on external validation a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, it's fucking this week's DS9, man. Wolf. Well, it was definitely your cynical take for the <laughs> DS9. Wolf. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, I can move into execution. I know it sounded like we were already getting into it. Um, yeah, let's. I, I tried, but I couldn't think of anything good about this episode. The way they sneer and turn up their noses at the Katari, and how predictably they turn out to make a move <laughs> against Voyager... So, I mean, it's so Voyager. And then the... Well, first of all, it's part... It's the second time Voyager has had this take on refugees. Yeah. And again, Uh, if 2019 was going so good... the other one was called, right? Yes, if 2019 was going so very good. If we were fucking riding (laughs) high. But I can't fucking deal with this anymore. Why are we having the same problems that we had in the 90s? Oh, God. Why are we having the same problems we had in the 60s? What is this? You know, the... There have... There's so there are so many Katati living in Sweden <laughs> that it's it's like a whole it's like a whole different country and the cities aren't safe anymore. They're not. That's what everyone says about Norway and too. The, and the and the good. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the way TP absolutely sucks the whole time, but it's Bilana in the end who says she realizes she has to change and confesses her love to him. Oh, and also, by the way, he does not return. And he doesn't even give her a cool Han Solo, I know. He's like a, he's a snide dick about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, you picked a hell of a time <laughs> to tell timing. me. Great timing. And he's the talk of the office. <laughs> and I made a dozen jokes as good or better. <laughs> and I get nothing. And he's the talk of the office. <laughs> The endless techno babble, the bad green screen space scenes, the insane yeah. resolution on Voyager that seems to ignore the ticking clock these idiot writers set up themselves. Janeway, uh, by the way, was not necessary. Janeway's aggressive and inappropriately timed exultations of victory over seven on the bridge. Yeah. Why do they want us to hate this show and everyone in it? Why? I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It's a one. Did you award it points at all? I gave it a one for a one. It was a one. It's a one. They didn't like film the scenes out of, they didn't put the scenes in out of order. <laughs> I mean, they might or, have. I don't know. As far as we know, know. it's possible. <laughs> Neelix didn't call Bolana Roxanne and no one <laughs> corrected right. it. Yeah, they didn't. So there's not a clear scene where someone's saying RNA, but they've dubbed DNA over it. It's basically, <laughs> that's as far as we've gotten with this. Good God. I was so mad watching this episode. Um, oh, boy. Uh, it was just real quick. Ben gave it a three. Okay. Uh, TP sticking his nose in Bolana's business because he wants to be in her business. I think it's because he's just fetishizing her to such an, a wild degree. He's like, we set up this program together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? So now you're entitled to make sure she gets pain sticks 20 it's times, so huh? crazy. And you're going to sit there and assert that this is super important. Why aren't you wearing those wooden sandals I got you? 
Yeah. I got those for you to wear with your kimono. <laughs> that I got. I also got you an insist you wear for all sex things. <sighs> we picked out that kimono together in Osaka. <laughs> Where I said we should on go the trip on that holiday. I made you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says uh, Janeway has to help these new space nerds out too, which of course gets everyone into trouble. I get the feeling that Ben watches these late at night, and I think he's missing some of the political implications Look, um, of these episodes. To be fair, when I'm watching the murder she wrote, I'm only half watching. Ah, that's probably true. You know, he's sending in notes, which is more than I do, but I don't think he knows he's not going to have to defend any of this. You know what? Uh, and I, I should retract that because also <laughs> in the murder in the notes I sent for the next murder we pod episode that will go out. Uh-huh. I definitely wrote, I think I must have missed something, but I'm, not going, but I'm not going back to watch that's what, again. That's what I write all the time for this project. So I don't hold it against Ben if he's not <laughs> yeah, paying yeah, super right. close I'll, attention. I'll can it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, they lose another shuttle. Yep. That's right. Uh, Seven apparently gives these people unlimited power generation capabilities. And uh, also there's a literal breathless admission of love by Bellana. He's a three. Um, so here's the thing. Mm. I am sitting here looking at the score that I had given it, which is a four. You gave it and a nine? Said, I said four. No, I'm just... The way you were like, I gave it these points. I was like, oh, no. And then you said, I literally could not think of one good thing. So as you were uh, noting all the bad things, I just read through my notes. Yeah. Hey, I also did not write one good thing. <laughs> So let me read what I have written. Okay. Uh, it makes zero sense that this takes place in one day. Oh, absolutely. Like, how's this day go? 6 a.m., 7 asks Chicote for a job. 1.30 p.m., they're trying to open a transwarp conduit. Yep. <laughs> this weird alien can gather a fleet of 27 ships in a couple of hours. Uh-huh. Um, it's a big overshoot on the romance angle. It would have been way more than enough for Bolana to tell Tom she's been resisting feelings for him. She did not have to go right to I love you. Yep. Like when Kira told Odo she loved him too, he knew she was a changeling. But I guess it's cool to go from zero to 100 over here in much worse Voyager land. How weird is it that DS9 is fucking light years ahead? Why is DS9 so much better than Voyager? Because Odo went, oh. Oh, I get it. (laughs) And also, like. Everyone knows it's not wild that Odo loves Kira and that that's his big admission because everybody knows that but Kira. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I listen. This is a great question because I don't need to ever see that DS Nine scene again. That's right. Yes. Frankly, but compared to this space moment, Ugh. it's a it's a lot better. Yeah. Um. <sighs> And uh, this is part two of Voyager's amazing don't trust refugees take. Yeah. Just real shitty politics all the way around. Yeah, I can't. It's not a four for sure. I'm going to give it two. Okay. Uh, I liked imagining what Neelix is up to. <laughs> he's in some, he's in a new space. <laughs> he really tried to float that like he was doing her a favor. You know, honestly, as much as anybody on that ship, he's just trying to get by. Like, just let's be real about Neelix. I mean, for sure, he absolutely is. He is. He's not even going home. No, he's not going home. There is no home because it got blown up in the giant war. Yeah. He has no companion anymore. 
He has no yeah. job. He's tried out for all of them and was, I think, fired from all of them. He has no job. He's the guy. He's the guy on the ship that everybody is putting up with, and he knows. He it. knows it exactly. That everyone's like, oh, here comes Neelix. Okay. The person he's most close to on the ship, Tuvok, hates his guts. Yeah, that's that is in fact their bonding moment. Yeah. Yeah, he's really just, he's on a thread, right? He's just hanging on by a thread, and anything could happen that would cause that shit to snap at this point. Uh, Janeway's making this thing his problem by saying, how much food can we give these guys? Yeah. And he's got to be like, fuck, man, I got to, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not logistics guy. I'm actually pretty detailed, and I have this stuff written down, but I don't remember it off the top of my head in this staff meeting. I was a space bum wearing trash clothes when we met. Like, if you let... I don't know how to do any of this. If you let me access... Several hundred kilograms, I guess. <laughs> can, can I access Google Is that Docs? that you wanted? The weight of the food we could give them? I have a Google Doc. I can access it. But you said no phones in the meetings. So, <laughs> now who looks stupid? Anyway, no, you're right. Several hundred kilograms. <laughs> several hundred, I guess. I don't know. What do you want me to say? What number makes you look I don't look know, good? man. They're going to be mad at me for saying this when everyone's back on replicator rations and <laughs> I have to eat root stew. Thanks for giving all our food to those fucking awful refugees, Neelix. Uh, Ben's a three on world building. Okay. Uh, the, we have the Day of Honor, which we have somehow never heard of before. Nope. Oh, uh, they like to give us new Klingon stuff all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. New aliens of the week, and they're even more pathetic than the Voyager crew. Yeah. Uh, the guy calls them fat. Gifts fair. Uh, I like the fact that they're embracing the idea that even though people aren't getting along, they still have to deal with each other for the next 80 years. Yeah. Vork's still working in engineering. Even though he tried to rape her like a hundred times. And yeah, no, that's for that's like some real put it behind you shit. And it is definitely yeah. because they got six engineers and like, what are you going to do? I was like, hey, uh, that guy had his whole face stolen. Remember that? <laughs> Remember when the guy had his face stolen? He was an engineer. That's right. We're running out. We are low. Engineers are often near panels, and those shits explode. Also, after Tom Paris couldn't learn to be a nurse, we stopped trying to cross-train people. That's right. There's no one else to train. It's over. Neelix might come yeah. by to try to help out, and it's going to go very bad. So... Yeah. Uh, That's why they want Seven I, in there. That's why when Seven says, hey, can I work on engineering? Chaco goes, I mean, you're increasing our fucking engineering staff by like fucking 16%. So sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I give it a three. Okay. Uh, we have warp core ejection. Mm-hmm. And the warp core doesn't explode, and they figure, oh, we'll just put it back in. So that's all something. And you actually get to see the warp core fly out, the little cylinder, which is kind of neat. There's a little warp core hatch and everything. Mm -hmm. Borg transwarp conduits. Yeah. Uh, space preparedness at the academy. Mm hmm. Tom's had more spacewalk training than Bolana. And then obviously all the Klingon Day of Honor stuff. You, uh, you mentioned that you kept doing Japanese stuff because you're talking about the racism aspect of this. Uh, -huh. uh the Day of Honor is apparently uh, was borrowed from a Jewish holiday. Oh, nice. Where you're supposed to think about the last year and whether you're proud of what you've done. Okay, so that's what they borrowed it from. I'll just time. jump into my notes to ask you if in the Jewish one, is it like an episode of Fear Factor where you got to just eat like a bunch of weird bugs and, and weird, non nasty nonsense? Uh, that's oh, sorry. Is that in your quick hitters? Because that was in my description of the episode <laughs> where the day of honor was. Oh, hold on. I'm going to read it <laughs> verbatim here. Go for it. I'll read mine after. Uh, 
it seems to be mostly some fear factor <laughs> shit. Eat this gross thing, thing, drink that gross thing, a little talk therapy, some pain stick stuff. Wow, man, get out of my notes. She bails early to go stew in her quarters. Day of yeah. honor ceremonies are mostly just fear factor stuff. Now, <laughs> eat a bunch of weird bugs while we shoot you with paintballs. Uh, well, let's cut right to my quick hitters. Uh, the shittiness of this holodeck program makes a lot of sense when you learn Paris helped design it. All right, we were... So this we're probably not seeing the best version of the Day of Honor No, here. probably. I'm sure Worf, with his knowledge of Klingon Wikipedia, would make a much better version. Well, what he needed was Wesley Data and Jordy to get together. Oh, yeah, because during his and... uh, ascension? No, his... Hmm. What ceremony <laughs> is it? That's a good question, right of... and I have forgotten. It's his... It's his... Fuck! Right, right, right of ascension. I was gonna say right of ascension, but that makes him sound like he's like a teenager or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but if it's that's like right. a, it's the anniversary of his right of ascension oh, or something, yeah. and he never got bar mitzvah right. because he's a Klingon. So, so that's when the fear factor stuff kicks in for him. Okay, I got it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's a standard three for me on world building. We were all in agreement. I gave it a three. Um, does the first officer always control the duty assignments, or is Janeway punishing Chaco for being such a backstabber a few weeks ago? Uh, we know Riker does. Yes. And that he pushes as much of it off on Troy as he can. And we know Riker does it because he can't do anything else. Or at least that's what I was assuming. Like, we got to give him a job. He's got he's got to fill a whole shift. Like, what are we going to do all day? Um, that's something that is apparently in line with actual military practice, okay. where the executive officer is in charge of the personnel. Well, then it's lucky they, uh, they don't have anyone competent. They're not wasting their skills on anything, I guess. Um... Seven says she's been seven of nine for as long as she can remember. Now, this makes me wonder if a regular Borg unit size is nine, or if her team somehow, like, never had a personnel size limit change. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, because what you would imagine is that... It would just shift as they needed it, too. They shift as they need it. Also, why... These are machines with machine thinking. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they just have a long-ass, globally unique identifier? Yep. Yes, like, the fact that she oh, is in this weird subunit. I know there's a full title of Unimatrix whatever, right. et cetera. But who's that title for? Like, why can't she be, oh, I'm UIUD67C, uh, right. HH1, and then would like, as soon as a Borg reads that back from her, they know exactly what her place in the hierarchy is. Also, why would they have a place in the hierarchy? Also, she specifically mentions that She's thought of herself of seven as, as seven of nine and not the rest of that stuff. <clears throat> so yeah, doesn't make any sense, really. But also they do a lot of conquering. It seems wild. None of them would ever get killed or anything. I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Anyway, okay. um, the Katadi assimilated by the Borg a year ago. Only a few thousand survivors. Their shit all runs on thorium power. You brought up that seven seems to be able to make them a device that will give them unlimited power from here to eternity. That's from Ben. Oh, yeah. Ben. Maybe Voyager should think about learning to use thorium. Uh, for real, I, I, my presumption Since they can make is, an endless energy generator that way. Well, so <laughs> my assumption is that these guys don't have an energy problem. They specifically need certain thorium isotopes for their systems to operate. Okay. And that this literally is like a replicator where it converts some other form of energy, solar or antimatter or something, uh, into, into thorium isotopes. So they would still need some kind of input. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, what we see is a small <laughs> little, I don't know, like it's like the shape. lid to a, to a tagine or something. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but it's you know it's got LEDs taped to it and stuff. Of course. But yeah. Uh, people still call in sick on Voyager. What passes for an excused absence in the age of light-up medical devices that cure everything? It's a real good question. What do you call in sick with? Uh, maybe you could just say you had a headache. That is apparently a wild one. Yeah, but they w- that it's so wild they would have to scan you a hundred times. You yeah, couldn't well, just lay in your quarters and play PlayStation or whatever. We don't know that the two people who were sick from engineering aren't in the sick bay. I sort of assumed they were playing We Pokey. never check in on the sick bay. That's true. Schmollis is not in this one. Oh, by the way, that's great. That's like, the, I finally thought of one good thing about this episode. There's no Schmollis. <laughs> no Schmollis. That's pretty good. All right. Well, good. Um, not enough to get a point, but that's nice. Um, uh, again, the Day of Honor stuff. Uh, they try to do a trans warp, but it breaks their whole ship. Interplexed comm systems and carrier waves. Uh, those encounter suits are supposed to have about 24 hours of air in them. <clears throat> yeah, just a three for me. More questions what than about anything characterization? else. Um, well, boy. Hmm. Ha. Huh. <laughs> this is, uh... <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> execution was where I thought this episode suffered, but... TP really needs to back the fuck up on all of this be more Klingon shit. It comes off really bad. It's a bad look, for sure. In the modern age. He's so awful in this episode, I want to award negative score for characterization. What's wild is you know they didn't think he was being bad in this one. No, clearly. They thought this was a this was a probably pretty good one for old TP. In the end, she apologizes and says she's learned a lesson. <laughs> a lesson. I wish this was filmed. I wish my podcasting was filmed right now so you could see how I'm gesturing wildly. Then he, again, immediately starts hanging out with Seven. Like, this is going to crush her when she finds out. Balana's going to fucking lose it. Yeah. And then he's probably going to try to get Seven in touch with her human side by making her do Scandinavian crafts or something. Oh, probably. Or maybe yeah. he'll go flipsy and try to force her to do more Borg stuff and get in touch with her Borg side. Be like, I don't understand why you don't want to wear the eyepiece. We designed it together. <laughs> like, it's just... I hate him so much. And then Bellana comes to accept something about herself in the spacesuit scene, and TP does not do any self-reflection of any kind. Oh, no, no. He avoids <laughs> it actively. He Instead, he tries to put it on her. Like, his dying thought is, please... Uh, reassure me that I'm not a bad guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what he wants at the end, yeah. is to hear that he's not a bad guy. You didn't guy think much her. of me when we first met, huh? Huh? But now, though, right? Pretty good huh? now. Please, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, he just wants her to say, You're a good boy, TP. You're a really good boy, even though you like the boobies so much. <laughs> I wish I could be a good boy like you, Harry, but oh boy, I just can't stop looking at the titties. <laughs> Um, Balana briefly wanted to do a Klingon thing and then immediately regretted it. And that is what happens to me whenever I briefly want to do anything that requires me to leave the house. Yeah. As I'm getting ready, I'm like, ah, ah, why did I agree to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. The day of any party that I have agreed to go to, I'm like, I, f- I fucking yeah. wish I wasn't going why, to this Why, four party. days ago, did I think this was something I could do? So I totally get it. Um, Balana admittedly having a bad day turns the warp core ejection into a real personal thing about her. It's the worst day yeah. of her life. The whole ship is in trouble, but uh, now she's just calling Seven the Borg. Um, yes. 
Bolana comes. Yeah, she's extra. She's extra shitty about seven. She hates seven so much, and it's like they wrote what was happening with real life Kate Mulgrew into the character yes. for Bolana Torres. <laughs> right. Um, Bolana comes to accept in the spacesuit that she pushes people away to avoid getting hurt. Uh, for real though, the first time Kate Mulgrew saw that cat suit, she must have been so mad. We're doing this. We're, we're this is the show now. What about uh, Amelia Earhart? If she gets to wear a cat suit, I get to wear aviator goggles. I bet she broke a glass coffee table. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. Janeway thinks Seven's name is too long and asks her to change it, which is just... Uh, yep. <sighs> hey, Seven of Nine, what is that, four syllables? I can't do it. That's too many you syllables. Hi, I'm us. Catherine Janeway. <laughs> you shouldn't expect us whites to be able to do that. Chakotay's only three syllables. We told him that's his only name now. I mean, does she... He doesn't have a first or last name, whichever one that other one is. <laughs> does she ever ask any of the Thai crew to shorten their names? No, she just gives them nicknames that they are stuck with. She's like, you're Nate. Yeah. Fuck. It's like, well, there were many more syllables after that, but I'm Nate now. I'm not Nate, though. Not. Uh, Neelix also wants everyone to celebrate ethnic holidays that may or may not have any personal meaning to them. Yeah, he's a big believer in tradition mm -hmm. but at least he says he's willing to be a punching bag for balana so that might be because his whole planet's gone though <laughs> that's why he loves I tradition you, i bet you feel different about tradition after that happens. also because no one ever comes to him with something about uh Talaxian holidays yeah like maybe if that I, ain't in the calendar was nothing left but china and i'd been living in china for about 25 years i'd probably be like fuck i do miss thanksgiving a little bit though <laughs> Right. Now that I think about it, yeah, I always hated it. But God. I don't even really like turkey. But like, and it's just so much effort to get everyone huh? together. But man, yeah, no, it's. I guess maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to it. And then the day would come, and you wouldn't want to do it. Um, that's yeah, true. Seven says she's not used to deception, but like, she was already pretty tricky back in like those first few encounters with her when she was a disconnected Borg. I mean, it's true, but my assumption is that she wasn't actually deceiving anybody that the Borg were just like, now we're doing this. And she was like, all right, here we go. Change of plans. It's fucking Borg time. Uh, she offers to turn herself over to the Katadi to save the ship. Again, that's plan A. Plan B is give them all the energy they like. It, regardless of whether you're used to giving away technology, it seems like one of those plans is better. It's true. It's just like, I don't really understand, but that's the, that's the order she gives them in. Um... I gave it a zero. Wow. I'll give it a one. I'm going to give it a one, and here's why. <laughs> Neelix tried, even though he's not great. He tried. Uh, seven <laughs> tried. She's also not amazing, but she did try. Two people tried, so I'll give it one point. All right. Um, <clears throat> but TP in... almost fucked it for everyone. Yeah. Uh, ben gave it a three. He says Janeway's a non-entity, but this is actually one of her more active episodes. <laughs> yep. Lately, um, however, I, Chakotay is a real mannequin in this one. Yeah, you you would never believe from this performance that he had had any experience with the Borg yep. or any history with Balana. It's just from his the first two scenes, which are all he's that's in. right. Then he's gone. Yeah, he talks to Seven, doesn't give anything helpful. Talks to Balana. She's like, "Well, I don't want her," and he's like, "Too bad." And then that's it. Yep. Uh, in addition to the racism stuff, uh, Paris is also a petulant baby. God, yeah, he is. <clears throat> and, 
uh, Bellana never quite manages to express any actual feelings about her Klingon heritage in this one. No, it gets a much more she, general realization. She has a lot of feelings, but we never learn quite what they are. Um, they've tried three or four times and still haven't managed to get to any feelings about yeah. her being Klingon. I, I hope they don't try anymore. <laughs> uh, and honestly, when she was saying stuff like... Uh, I don't know, those rituals my mom taught me don't seem as hateful now or whatever. I was like, wait, was her mom the Klingon one? I couldn't remember. <laughs> I could literally can't remember. They've done nothing with this. Yep. I know that she's split into two personalities, but they have done nothing with this. I immediately went, oh yeah, Kalar's mom. Wait a minute. Yeah, this isn't Kalar. Why don't I remember anything about Balana? Uh, anyway, those two are in love now. Yeah. Uh, I would demote Tuvok. For mentioning that Seven was a Borg in front of these people. <laughs> That's for sure a security risk. He's not good. You hate to see it. The ship is dead in the water with no warp core. And uh, there's like three or four ships swirling around out there. Yeah. And a guy screams, what species is that? Hey, don't tell him Borg. Yeah, that's the one. That's actually the one. You be- you've been in the meetings. You know not to say Borg. You could say anything else. Anyway, he says Borg. I would definitely uh, reduce him two steps in rank. That's all I'm saying. He deserves it. Uh, And then Janeway tries to trick Seven about her investigation before she eventually opens up. Yeah. And then it seems like she could have just opened up from the start. Well, they wouldn't have been able to... Once she's face-to-face with it, she has to say, like... The thought had crossed my mind. They would have been four. We've had we've never had problems with tachyons before. They would have been forty five seconds short if she didn't. <laughs> if she didn't start with that bluff. Oh, if only there were a place you could have put forty five seconds. <laughs> if only there would have been something you could have put it into. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it two. Okay. Not strong, frankly. Nope. Not amazing. Um. Did we um. Did we already do Ben's three? TP is pushy as hell and kind of a jerk about his attentions. Uh, Seven is willing to sacrifice herself even after being suspected of sabotage. Balana is an angsty teenager like we've seen before. Janeway's a non-entity. Okay. Uh, what about quick ones? She, here's the thing. Balana's not an angsty teenager. There's no teenager energy coming off of her. No. She's angry. Yeah. She's having a bad day. That's what she said. She's having a bad day for and sure. And everything that happens, including to other people, is about her bad day for sure. Yeah. You want some quick hitters? Yeah, do it. Uh, Janeway's worried about Seven's name, but I'm still calling the Dr. Schmullis in season four. <laughs> yeah. Real. Really shows what she thinks about that guy. Yeah. This Katati gets the new award for saddest sack in the galaxy. They did a good job of making him look pretty pathetic with like uh, some yeah. wispy hairs coming off the back of his weird shaped dome. <laughs> yeah. He he don't look good. No. Um they just got thrown 10,000 light years <clears throat> away from Borg space. Yeah. The fact that this shitty armada just got assimilated last year should be very scary. Yeah. But no one even no one even notices. Yeah, that means they must kind of be in Borg space because they must hey. be Hey, the Borg are here, too. <laughs> They're here, and they have assimilated this dude's planet, so I, doesn't this count as Borg space? Or no? This don't count no yeah. more? I mean, think about it for a second, but nah, no one notices that yeah. idea at all. 
Yeah, we know they got cubes out flying around all over the place, but it seems like they got a whole planet here. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Who is in charge of dialogue polish on this oh. show? Vorik says, I'll admit I'm having trouble controlling the neutron absorption. You know, you're right. I'll admit? You're right. What he, the writer originally wrote was, I'm having trouble with the neutron absorption. And then he went, no, and then hold someone, on. Po- someone polished it up for him. Ah, I got it. I'll admit. Even though it's embarrassing to me. I'm having trouble. Uh, and by the way, that's his answer to Bolana saying, how's it going or whatever. <laughs> like, she is, he is not on the spot. He does not have to admit anything. It's just like when Chakotay said, I'm not afraid to say it. I've anyway, never encountered anything like this before. Definitely felt like a phrase a Vulcan would say apropos of nothing. That's right. <laughs> um... Yeah, again, no good outcomes if you ever walk in a guest to your door and he points at something and shouts, what species is that? Like, that's just... Again, it would be, what race is that? Yeah, that's not good. Is that a Chinese guy or something? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh man, listen, I've almost got you to the door. Let's not talk about races right oh, now. Oh, that's a save it moment, for sure. Save it. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, when he, when he goes... Don't worry about it. Oh, what kind of Mexican are you? Just go, don't worry about it, sir. Thank you. Uh, Tom and Bolana using the euphemism first contact procedures, I found odious. Oh yeah, don't make, don't do that, guys. Don't do hey, that. Hey, I get it that it's, I get it that it's in space, but um, hey, don't. Yuck. Just <laughs> yuck, yuck, really. Uh, at some point, I noticed in uh, one of uh, Seven of Nine's many sad scenes in this episode that Jerry Ryan has got a little rabbit face, and it helps her look vulnerable. <laughs> just, like, she's got a little rabbit mouth. She does look her, sad. Her, her mouth's a little upturned or something, and it helps her look sad when she just keeps her mouth a little bit open. She looks sad, and then it zooms out, and you see she's in that hilarious cat suit, and you go, <laughs> yeah. oh, never mind. You might have been able yeah. to do some work here, but it, don't worry about it. Uh, boy, imagine if they just had you in a, some Federation jumpsuit or something. Yeah. Maybe like a uniform and, with no no rank pins on it or something. Yeah, just... maybe with less aggressive hair, too. And yeah. then imagine how much acting you could get on. <laughs> That's right. You get the, by the way, you're right. I keep getting the idea she's the only one trying to act. Yep. It's just her alone trying to act and everyone else that everyone gave Everyone else has given up. They gave up before the show even fucking started. Uh, Beltran checked out three episodes Dude, in. He does not care. The first time he was like, "Here's my electronic uh, spirit animal." <laughs> he went, oh, "Here's my spirit Tamagotchi." Here's what's happening. And then he was like, "Fuck it, I'll just keep getting my check." Thank you. This is a paycheck. <clears throat> this is paying for my conversion van. Um, no one in this episode had anything to say about dear missing Cass. No, I ain't nobody remember her. The first, this is the first episode after she became. <laughs> yes, that's right. Even Neelix, nothing. To, no, no one mentions it. She, there has never been a character named Cass on this show. There never will be. I mean, also they don't mention that they were ten thousand light years closer to home. They're not like the show doesn't start with everyone excited. Thanks, Cass. That they jumped a seventh of the way. Thanks home. to our good friend Cass. Yeah, no, no one cares. Yeah. I will. Nah. A spoiler alert: like Congary, she comes back once. Okay. So there you go. He could still come back. Don't. Yeah, well, he's not Voyager's gonna. Voyager's done. Voyager's done, but he could still come if he back. He hasn't come back by now, really. No. He just needs he just needs a comeback that's better than If he didn't come back for their big ninth anniversary fan meet, he's not going to come back. Yeah, I mean that would have been when he did it. I kept being I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I 
I kept being like, maybe he's going to come out and on episode three of this fan meet. Listen, there, there just has there been a best of the strongest since so men, and no, uh, I can't. I don't know. I don't know why I can't remember Seichon. <laughs> I've watched so many episodes with him in it, but I lost his name there for a minute. Best of the strongest is when he would come back. Yeah, I, just like he did last time secretly. I haven't seen one in a very long time. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hijack the show. Yeah, but you're right. Cass is. Anyway, she's just gone. Whatever. Uh, I gave best actor in this one to Neelix and worst one to uh, old Tom Paris. God. And uh, I think you must still have yep. to do your ben, quick hitters. Ben didn't have any quick hitters. I only have a couple. Um, when Janeway says it's almost time for you to start eating real food, Seven almost says gross. Her face starts to ma- she starts to make the word gross, but she doesn't say anything. I thought that was admirable. Because she's about to go, oh, fuck. Yeah, by the way, the story of Seven of Nine in the two episodes she's been in so far is, it's just a real shame. <laughs> That's right. Because it seems like she's trying. It's very sad so far. Yeah, <laughs> we were told the episodes were going to get better when she shows up. That has not been the case. Um, no. But she might be the best part of it. We'll see. Um, Our weapons are more powerful. Oh, see, there's where you were wrong. Chaco had one more line. Our weapons are more powerful than theirs are. I say we fight. Some complex calculations by Chaco on that one. Yeah, our more powerful weapons, weapons are more powerful than theirs are, and that is the, literally the only consideration in whether or not we should kill these refugees. Yep. Wow. Wow. Hold on. <laughs> Take away my point for characterization. That's insane. All right. Good. That is a wild thing to say in the staff meeting, Chaco. Why isn't that in characterization, Matthew? Uh, you know, Chakotay is going through his hot takes moment right now. Ever since he wasn't afraid to handedly unilaterally oh. busted up the Borg Alliance two two weeks ago. Yes. And then you meant ever since he's it, trying out disagreeing with James. And then you meant ever since he finally admitted he wasn't afraid to say it that it, yeah that he hadn't. Yeah. Seen well, that was obviously. Like I mean, that was several episodes ago, but that was the start of it. All. <laughs> he finally lost his great fear. Yeah. All right. I'm done with this episode. We talked so much about it as usual. Voyager takes up the whole uh, show. Well, honestly, we started by doing 50 minutes on Enterprise, <laughs> and we're just we're just running long. It's today. gonna be a long one, everybody. Maybe it's the extra two weeks off or whatever, but it's maybe we're running long. All right, what was next? Uh, second place last week was Deep Space Nine. All right, this week we watched Facets. Uh, the Dead Milkman theme I would have played for this one is now everybody's made. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but I love that brass. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, now even Julio Iglesias is me. <laughs> um, yep. Nog is doing some runabout combat simulations when uh, Jake comes in to say hi and mess up his shit. Um, Nog's really busting his ass trying to get into the academy. There's some exams that he's got to do, but Quark thinks he should just write pornos like Jake does. And he yells at... (laughs) Specifically asks Jake and Nog to write him a porno. kind of wild. It's pretty wild. He yells at Nog for a while and then says he's been invited to join the senior staff for some reason. Turns out Dax invited a bunch of fucking people because she needs to borrow their bodies. She's going to do a 
another dumb ritual where she meets all of her previous hosts and everybody will get to host one of their personalities for a few hours. It's filler season officially. Credits. I mean, this is this is literally the second to last episode of season three. <clears throat> this is for sure filler. Anyway, she eventually convinces everybody to agree to host, uh, and a Trill dude shows up to handle the ceremonies, and they start with Kira, who inhabits, uh, checking my notes, Leela. Yeah, that's it right. It is very dull. Then O'Brien becomes Tobin, a weirdo doing a Muppet voice. <laughs> then Lita becomes somebody who goes, this host is hot, huh? Hot, right? Yeah, does a bunch of sexy cartwheels and says, I'm super hot. This that's new character we're shoehorning in is sexy, don't you think? <laughs> Then, uh, uh, do you think that was disappointing for Chase Masterson, or she knew that was the deal? I think she had to know up front, because my theory is that she must have been fucking one of the showrunners or something. Uh, she definitely, I think, was just happy she didn't have to do underboob. That's right, when she heard Dabo Girl. Yeah. Everyone knew what that... In the mid-90s, if you were on the fucking uh, audition circuit, you knew what that meant. Then I said Dabo Girl, yeah. you knew... Your boobs were going to be exposed in an unconventional way. That's right. Uh, then Quark becomes one of her like lady personalities for some comedic relief. Bashir becomes uh, somebody else. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We get to Cisco, who undergoes his shit in a holding cell because he's going to be the Insano host, Joran. Yeah. He negs the shit out of her and asks her to lower the force field as expected. Then he pretends to be Cisco again, and she's somehow dumb enough to fall for it. Then he tries to choke her, but then she beats him up. No big deal. They've uh, flipped the script on Joran a little bit, because in the episode where she discovered him, mm. he was like, he was in there for like six months and did some normal shit and then killed a guy. Yeah. But now he's full on Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Uh, but it did have one effect. Now Dax is questioning whether she's worthy of the Dax name. I couldn't really follow her reasoning. I don't... I, oh, well, he did tell her. I was going to say, other than the crazy guy who we know is crazy, negging her a bunch? He specifically told her that she was nothing but a pretty face. And then, I don't know, maybe she was really awed by how great all the other personalities were. I don't know. Yeah, one was a fucking... The first betrayal lady senator... <laughs> Wasn't that I don't it? No, I honestly couldn't. I really couldn't with this. That was yeah. Hold on. Yeah, that was uh, Leela. That was Kira. Right. She was the first senator, and that's why Dax clasps her hands behind her back because I, because yeah. Kira always gestured too much when she was talking in the Senate, and her male colleagues made fun of her. Anyway, next is Odo, who does Curzon, I guess. Uh, but he's a shapeshifter and doesn't have like a humanoid brain or guts or anything, so it goes bad. Why wouldn't anybody ask these questions ahead of time? He uh, well, listen. The assumption is, uh, three humans, two Bajorans, and one shapeshifter. This is definite. This is for sure. Is definitely for sure. Go. Oh yeah, this is a go. On a Ferengi, also one. Ferengi. I give it a go. Let's go. Yeah. Get the te- get the guy in, and we'll do the telepath shit. He just goes off on his own to live as Kurzdo, I guess. Maybe Janeway will kill him soon. Anyway, he goes to see Cisco, and then he goes to the bar to scare Quark, and then plays a long game of Tongo, and stays after hours, which is a rude. And then he messes with evidence. You know, Curzon stuff. Yeah. Uh, everything else we've learned about Curzon so far, by the way, tracks with Yes, this, this is Curzon stuff, 100%. Curzon was a piece of shit, and he definitely was banging that general's wife. Yep. That did happen. That for sure happened. Curzon tells Jadzia that she got to be a host because he felt bad for her, not because she earned it. And then he says he's going to stay as Curzdo forever. 
And Cisco gives her a pep talk, so she'll go to confront him. And when she does, Curzon admits, actually, okay, here's what happened. Uh, he fell in love with young initiate Jadzia, and that's why he rejected her in the first place. For reasons. And not because yeah, she so sucked. Actually, she got in despite being too pretty. Yeah, and then... Um, it, don't worry, it was still about her appearance. Yes, yeah, so he, he was actually grateful when she reapplied, and he didn't oppose her... Um, getting the the host because he felt bad about what he'd done before uh and he says that's why i need to stay apart from you forever because of the shame which you obviously haven't been feeling to this point yep hasn't been affecting you so didn't far matter until we were separated know about it. yeah uh but anyway she wants him back and won't be ashamed of him great in the nog plot he uh he goes to see o'brien who's going to administer some portion of this pre-entrance entrance entrance exam I, I this is a, a fucking uh, test to join the academy preparatory program I don't know what it is which he thinks is going to be his fucking fast track to the academy <laughs> anyway it's despite the fact that two years ago he couldn't read that's exactly right I, i'm gonna keep bringing it up because it's fucking wild yeah this test is gonna be some tactical and operation stuff it seems like but he was practicing on a runabout and this is gonna take place in fake ops or something Ah, oh, no dog it's not what he practiced. <sighs> Later, Rom is all nervous about the results of the test and bragging about the custom cadet's uniform he had Garrick make. Quark seems to sense the importance of this to his brother, but actually I think he's just feeling guilty. Anyway, it looks like Nog failed the exam. Oh no, we soon find out that Quark rigged the test against Nog f- for reasons. Uh, it's not clear. Like, he says he wants him to stay at the bar, but I don't think that's even true. That's weird. And Rom uh, reports it, I guess, and he gets to retake it. And, by the way, Rom threatens to burn the bar to the ground if Quark tries anything else. Yeah, this is one of those uh, gentle Rom... Like with movies. Really sacks up when someone's messing... Yeah, with his family. Yeah, finally right. Rom's forced to walk around... Sorry, Nog's forced to walk around the bar in a cadet's uniform because of his weird dad and because he passed his pre-entrance entrance exam. And uh, he asks Quark for a root beer, and uh, we're out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. What was this episode about? Ben says it's stand up for what's right, even if you're afraid to do it. Um, he says Jedzia obviously does this against Curzon, and Rom does the same versus Quark. Uh, that happens. I'm not sure that Jadzia in her mind is standing up for what's right. I think she just needs to get to the bottom of this thing. Like, I don't think it's really about also being rejoined. They need to get, but don't they need to get Odo back? I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It seem like you'd want to. He didn't have a family or anything, but I, someone's going to ask questions, right? If he's just yeah, walking around as Curzdo forever. And not only that, but I mean, the dude asserts that Odo's cool with it, but <laughs> who can say? But, like, is that true? Janeway would say no. Just because he remembered that a Ferengi was on the bulletin? That's right. That he remembers about Plix Ticks a Plick or whatever? <laughs> I'll always I'll always. I remember. wish I remember what that dude's name was. I think you got it, wasn't it? Oh, it's pretty close to that. Plix Ticks a Plick. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe this is something like... Uh, when people are evaluating you, it has as much to do with them as it does with you. Yeah. That's true. Like, bear that in mind before you go out and seek external validation that you're going to get a lot of their own shit mixed in. 
because like Jed Zia got failed because Curzon couldn't handle being around her, and he did. He was just did the stupidest, worst thing about it, and just absolutely should have been disbarred. But I guess yeah, no, that's Curzon. That's Curzon, yeah. and uh, Nog gets failed because Quark wants to keep him around, maybe or just doesn't believe in what he's doing. Yeah. I think they just thought it would be neat to have these old hosts show up again, and this is what they ended up with. Yeah, it's obvious. Yep. But even if you give it that take, I I think that it's a weak and watered down version of a better Star Trek take, which again would be about not yeah concerning yourself with what others think. I about think the you. best possible finding your own internal validation. Yeah, the best possible way to crystallize this would be the combination of the two things. Do not seek external validation because. It's as much about right. them them as it is about you. Well, they forget the do not see part <clears throat> in this one. Yeah. At no point does anyone tell Jadzia, you know, it kind of doesn't matter why yeah. Curzon washed you out. You should be able to assess for yourself. Right. You know, are are you living up to your own expectations, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I can't give it more than three points with the the way this landed. Yeah, and Ben had given it a five. Um I, uh, I, maybe I was just feeling negative this week. I gave it, well, one. I said, it's okay that all of their self-worth is tied up in these exams because they both passed them. You know, <laughs> there are, the last two weeks, I gave higher scores than you overall. Am I, just, am I burned out on the project? I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I'm just... actually, four of the last six, I've given you high, given higher scores than you. It's just, like, what am I supposed to do with this? They literally both pass their exams and are happy, and that's it. Like, the... Yeah, it really, the implication really <laughs> is everything's okay. Not, uh, nothing, no one cares that Quark rigged this exam. Yep. I mean, I'll just jump into... The, I mean, Curzon shit is so fucking wild. I'll, I'll jump into execution, because I have a lot to say about this take and yeah, everything let's do, let's do that. i didn't fully understand either plot so that's a main problem with the filler episodes in general it's not that the stakes aren't high enough it's that even the writers don't care enough to fully examine any question or issue no no we've got a, uh then we've only got one more episode to talk about this week it's tng the stakes are mega low yeah it's like nog has some kind of exam it's not gonna get him into the academy it's something else it'll help him i don't know but that plot line isn't about him. It seems to be about Quark, I guess. Yeah. Except that he acts badly and we don't learn why or if he feels bad about it. So why? Yep. What is it? What is it for? Then in the Yeah, what what do you do with that? Then in the main plot, Dax wastes our time getting to know her old host so she can scratch an itch about not being worthy of the name Dax, I guess. But instead of anything profound, we learn that she really was worthy according to Curzon and that his praise is actually all that matters still, I guess. Nothing about finding value in something else or having her own mind about anything. But even this is mixed up in a weird scandal where Curzon reveals he was in love with her? Yeah. We don't even know Curzon outside of Cisco's dumbass stories. Why does this matter? And the answer is that it doesn't. It's all wrapped up in one scene and we're back on track for next week's nothing. So yeah, what I was mean, the point again, of it? Li- literally, when you see find out what the backstory of this episode was, someone watched the movie Sybil <laughs> and they thought, oh man, we gotta do that. Yeah. With, but with Dax, we gotta have all those different personalities. And then someone was like, okay, but if we just have Dax be all the different hosts, 
then she can't also interact with them as Jadzia. So that's why they did the body swapping thing. And then that's why they got to pretend that she's super good friends with Lita, even though that's not going to come up again. And then also, also, if she has to be all the personalities, you're asking Terry Farrell to act. Uh, That is true. Ten times. I will say that that was not mentioned anywhere in the background information, but someone must have thought about how we're going to have her. She was capable. Can she carry this community theater episode? I don't think so. When we had to have Kira decide whether she was really a Cardassian or not, and it was life-shaking, that sort of worked, because that's basically a stage play. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and this could be a stage play, but... Has Terry done any theater? But it's not uh, check a, Let me check her file right now. Uh, it says she did a Sensodyne ad? Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that what you're asking about? Uh, did she play a tooth at least? No. No, just a person. person just a person who... person has a sore tooth. Yeah. When sense, sense, they had to use the Sensodyne. Okay. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. We can't have her be the 10 personalities or whatever. So, yeah, I, um, no, it's a two for me. Yeah, I gave it as many as three. Okay. Oh, so what's Ben's? You gave it a three. Uh, Ben's as a well. three, yeah. shoehorning in Lita. Yes, right? We already know that Curzon and Jedzi are kink lords, so. Everyone's hesitancy to just jump in and loan their bodies is pretty justified. <laughs> yeah. I honestly don't know why they agree. Uh, when Joran tricks Jadzia, she should have called for security. Yeah, uh, she's okay. in the security holding cell. And we've been told earlier in the episode that Odo is watching everything with cameras at all times. He didn't, he wasn't uh, anticipating the Odo Curzon thing. So he thought that was fun. Mm. Um, and then, of course, he says, this old man Curzon is now permanently inside Jedzy, and we know he was in love with her, and that's creepy, and why did we have to do that? Yep. Why did they do it? Which are all, it's all very good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, I'm a three. This episode takes a long time to get to the conflict. Yeah. Uh, it fakes out that the problem is going to be Joran taking over Cisco's body. Yeah. And then it fakes out that the problem is going to be Curzon taking over Odo's body. But in the end, it's just like Jadzia and Curzon need to hash it out. Yep. You know, Curzon, who we spend so much time with. It's important. (laughs) Right. The important character of Curzon. uh, Sisko's mentor who appears to him in a prophet's vision in the first episode. And who's a real dick. Yeah. Um, The Nog stuff is all in continuity. Like, it's all part of his journey. But it all seems very artificial. And I thought it would be better if Nog legitimately failed his first attempt. Do you remember how Wesley failed to get into the Academy? And then it turned out that Picard had also done so and that there was a lesson to learn there. Yeah. And also how hard that episode made it seem getting into the Academy was (laughs) and how wild it is that Nog could could even be on track for it. I mean, the CNG version of it is so wild that I can't even understand how there's a fleet. Like, I literally don't understand the, the math of it. Yeah. Anyway, Nog couldn't read two years ago, but he only failed this test because Quark cheated, so there's no lessons to be learned. Yeah. Uh, Cisco is a good, creepy killer. In fact, he's so good, they made him tone it down and do it again. <laughs> it's too dark. This is the second take because no one enjoyed watching his first performance in which he apparently basically whispered at her. <laughs> so he pulled up. Oh, what is the... Uh, Redmayne. What's the name of that guy? Eddie Redmayne? Yeah. That's his only characteristic in any acting job yeah, he's basically. ever done is whispering. Uh, but aside from Cisco's creepy performance, there's not much else in this that's worth watching. Also, it's very hack that 
when she met those people, it had to be like, oh, that's why I clasp my hands. Oh, and, oh that's how why I'm creative. It's the that's the most basic shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why I like uh, strawberry candy. I finally it, learned something just... important about myself. Every once in a while, Star Trek hire, hire someone who's doing like high school level work, mm. and that's what this is. Uh huh. This is a high, this is a maybe somewhat talented or pampered or something honors English high school play that a kid wrote. You know, we learned eventually that in that um, that fucking hatchet job of a book that they were accepting like just open submissions for TNG. Yeah. Were they still doing that for DS9? No, I think they'd mostly cut it well, out. Well, they needed DS9. to go back to it because apparently they didn't have enough scripts to make it through a whole season because this one got out. I mean, okay, but that's how you get Picard as Robin Hood. Was that an open submission? I'm had to be. I don't know. I just remember like, that's how that they must got be, Ron Moore. That must be how Mark Twain showed up, right? God, I mean, that one really seems like someone's fucking hobby for sure. But because um, remember, that's how we got Ron Moore. And it turns out all the good episodes are written by Ron Moore just to make me feel things, feel bad things in my life. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm a three. Okay. And if we uh, swing on around to world building. Ben gave it a one. Yeah. Said there are training simulations available for Nog to practice his cadetness. At least in these sims, if a foe has a weapons lock, you can't warp your ship. Yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense, but... Uh, Odo, what? Maybe maybe a runabout has to drop shields before it goes to warp or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's some. I think it's like a, a tutorial mission, like on a video game. He's just he's got to push yeah. the buttons that they ask him to push. He's, he's got to get back to the tiger's claw. <laughs> he's got to get back to the tiger's claw. Not only that, he has to return that horse to that guy in town, and he's gonna have a real hard time. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about in RDR2 when yes. you have to return that horse. <laughs> you go, listen, where? <laughs> Honestly, that's probably most of the reason why I stopped playing it. Because, <laughs> first of all, that horse haunts me. I know. I got another horse. But <laughs> everywhere I went, up. the second horse also went. Yeah, that never why? ends. That never ends. Forever. Why does the second horse follow <laughs> you around? when you call for your horse, two horses come. <laughs> what the fuck? You go, ah, uh, I mean, it's great to have the choice, I guess. But no, uh, the, the, one, the main one with my saddle's the one I want, not you. I should have gone out into the wild and put a bullet That's in that horse. That's what brain. I started to do was kill my second horse. Because <laughs> it was bothering me. That it, was, it was like having two tabs open and I don't need one of my tabs. <laughs> I don't just leave it there. But the other one just keeps reopening. <laughs> That's right. Every time I open one tab, the other one opens. You just click on a link and the tab you're using and the second one opens too. And you're like, what the fuck? Uh, anyway, he points out Odo watches everyone's activities. Uh, this ritual is a stupid ritual. All of the prior personalities are already somewhere in the symbiont, so there's really no reason we should have to take them out of Judzi at all. Uh, it, not only is it stupid, but it's derailing, mm-hmm. frankly. Because first of all, everything about the trail in this episode, in this show, is wild and new. Like every time we see the trail, it, oh, here's a new thing that you never thought. This is why I say, was it a metaphor when she met her other personality in that bag? <laughs> and, you, and you got mad at me about it? She, she hugged it. <laughs> they had a physical embrace. Yeah. There were other people in the room. <laughs> but what do you mean, was it a metaphor? <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. Like, he couldn't really be there. It must be a metaphor. Of course it was a metaphor. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... 
But like now they can do this telepathic transfer and then the host memories are no longer part of her during that time. And apparently it can be permanent. They could just leave it out. Yeah, Kurzdo can just hang out. So why didn't they do that with Joran? Like I said, it derails you immediately. The second you start to think about it. And then it's like, hey, Ferengis normally are not accessible telepathically. Yeah. That was this TNG thing. But don't worry. They can just slam one of her hosts into... Yeah, lots of questions. Quark. Uh, Quark does the books with library catalog cards, Ben says. He says, even when this aired, we had quick books. Starfleet, <laughs> <That's> co- <true. laughs> Starfleet couldn't seriously be letting Cisco evaluate Nog, he, th- he says. Well, that's what they say. What about you? Uh, he gave it a one. I gave it a two. Uh, there's the Academy Preparatory Program and then all of the stuff with the Guardians and the Jantara. And not not anything else. Oh. Nothing that we learn from any of her hosts is world building. Well, there's obviously never... Her first host was the first lady trail senator? Okay. Also, I think she says senators aren't allowed to date. I think that might be in there. Well, okay. Like it, I don't know if... Are they still not or were they not like, 800 years like ago? Star Wars is what I mean. Oh, I see. Um, I'm a senator. <laughs> she just, she says it 50 times and never explains what that means. Why? Why? Why, did, why do you say that? Yeah, because we gotta can you, we close the gap hey, on this I, one because I don't understand. I think she's implying senators can't date, but she never says it outright. Um, never end a, holod- a holodeck program sitting down. Oh yeah, yeah, um, forgot that. Combat simulations are included in these entrance exams or pre-exams for some reason, but it's not a military organization. Yep. Um, they have the Jantara. Um. So, are they telepaths then? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it seem like it? Like, at least the Guardians are. To Atlanta, at least touch telepaths. Just, it's fine. As always, umox are hand jobs that you can do in a room full of people, just seated looking at you while you do it. To convince them to give you their body for some reason. And just do it in front of people sitting and watching you. Just hand jobs like, I'm for sorry. the public. If someone wanted, like, to borrow my car for a day, and I said, Nah, and they started trying to rub the tip of my dick through my pants. The answer would still be no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know I um like hey, this is making it worse. I'm, I I would like to call the police. I'm afraid this will get turned around on me, so I'm probably yeah. not gonna call the police. But you should stop doing that. Hey, did you think I was gonna give you my card because of that? Very thing? weird. Uh, also, you said you were gonna give my card to a serial killer, which. <laughs> Kind of a weird thing to disclose up front. Hey, listen, I've brought you here because <laughs> six of my friends need your cars. One of them's a serial killer. <laughs> One of them is a serial killer. Are you cool? Are you are you guys cool? Are you all going to give up your cars? Um, God, okay. Um, They took a run at repairing their uh, Fermat's Last Theorem thing again. Took another, yeah. took another swing at that. Uh, that grate on the bar. There's a bar. So on the bar, it's... The surface of the bar is underneath a grate, which I assume is good for spills, because it would spill through the grate, and then you wouldn't have it all over the the bar. But I bet the grate leaves a waffle pattern on your arms and hands and shit, and then it probably takes a lot of effort to clean the bar at the end of the day, because you got to take the grate off, and you got to clean the grate, and you got to clean the surface underneath. Yeah, but if you're... You know, working in a Japanese skewer restaurant or something, you can. Did you see? Did you watch that? 
Japanese style originator about that guy who was getting ready to retire from that skewer restaurant. I don't think I've gotten to it yet. And it's like his last <laughs> day there and all the locals are coming in to say goodbye to him and stuff. No, that sounds heartwarming though. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I gave it as much as a three, but you know, wasn't wasn't super impressed. Well, maybe you liked some. There's a lot of character work in this one, right? Yeah. Oh wait, or is mostly is everyone mostly being someone else? Well, let's see. Nog all swept up in school prep for the academy, but since he only recently learned to read, he doesn't study so good. Bashir thinks it's cute that Odo has turned DS9 into a weird police state with twenty six seven surveillance. Uh. I guess Lita counts for characterization now. She's been reading up on Trill stuff for some reason. Yeah, she's way too into it. Like, way too into it. What is... Why is she reading Does she that? just want to be Dax's friend? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. She Because she's super into it. She read that book about the what Trill ceremonies there are so that she could come up to Jedzia at the bar, or maybe while she's playing Tonga or something, and be like... Right. Uh, have some conversation starters. Uh, Dax is also way in touch with the Strill stuff and is ready to do this very fun ceremony and doesn't need any TPs around to make her do it. Until the guy shows up and then he's like, hey, we've been trying to get you to do this for months. What's the deal? And she meekly goes, I don't know, I was busy. Um, she learns lessons like, oh, that's why I hold my hands behind my back like that. Her insano host is very mean to her. She's always thought she wasn't worthy of being joined, and Curzon confirms that he passed her because he felt sorry for her. Oh, no way. He was in love with her and sabotaged her, so she's worthy after all. Cisco hits Dax with the Curzon wisdom. He sucked eggs. Everybody knew it, <laughs> but nobody did anything about it. Great guy. <laughs> um, He was just so damn charismatic, he says, with no evidence. It's wild. Quark sabotages his own nephew to... Avoid losing him to Starfleet? Question mark? That is the It's the least clear part of this episode, probably. Rom cares more about his son's happiness than Latinum, starting this season. Uh, A thing we already knew. Everyone was fine in this episode. Oh, wait, most of them weren't that good. I gave it a four. Well, uh, you liked it more than I did. Okay. It's wild to me that at the end of this episode, everyone's like, I can't help but like that Curzon guy. I don't know. I, all we've ever heard about him is that he sucks, and now we've met him and he sucks. Yeah, and it makes me think less of Cisco. Well, we already even we were already saying this. He was excusing all this insane Curzon behavior. All his stories yeah. just, they're the stories of like a real jerk that you used to know. Even if you factor in that he was like <laughs> a young officer and Curzon was an old diplomat or something... And even given Cisco's little, sometimes I had to push back speech in this, it makes me think less of Cisco yep. that he that he's so big into this Curzon guy. Next, three seasons we've had with Dax. Yep. It's too long to suddenly be like, "Am I anything? Do I belong here? Yep. Did I earn this?" Also, we, it's that's season one shit. Yeah, and didn't we kind of do it when that initiate came and she was, yes, like the cool the cool supervisor right. and then because she didn't have a good experience like that would have been the time to just put that to bed yep also it's stupid trash that Odo was into joining with Curzon he comes and apologizes that at the end at of the, the day end. he comes in at the end and he has to be like anyway I got carried away I got too into that shit instead of just like yeah I guess uh, Curzon kind of bullied me too <laughs> yeah he lied to you a lot and said I wanted to do it 
it was a, it really felt like I was uh, like tied up in the basement while he was doing that stuff. Yeah. I'm super. By the way, thank you for convincing him. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Even if I did, even if it no. wasn't true, I would have said I had nothing to do with that. No, because in this one, because Curzon's going to be back inside Jadzia, we have to be like, ah, hey, anyway, I just came by to let you know I was into all of that. Yep. I, I, that Curzon, so charismatic. Anyway, I guess it's nice to see Rom sticking up for Nog. I gave it two. Okay. Uh, quick ones. Nasty old Quark wants Jake to write a porno for him. God. That's, it's extremely nasty. And he just says the stuff out loud. It's like how he's always talking out loud about how the holodeck programs are only for fucking and everyone knows it. And you're just like, man, <laughs> in the beginning there were like implications, but now that's just it. And now he's like, write me one of them pornos. Write a porno program. Uh, I've seen this episode of Red Dwarf. Lita ain't getting her body back easy. <laughs> that's right. She'll have gained, uh, gained five stone or whatever. Yeah, to just be mashing her face into a big mound of mashed potatoes. <laughs> Uh, I always thought it was ridiculous when Patrick Stewart went on there and said that he saw Red Dwarf and he got mad because they were doing a Star Trek parody. Uh, what's actually happening, by the way, is Star Trek is just doing all of the same dumb ideas, except Red Dwarf is doing them with the idea that they're dumb ideas, that they're sci-fi cliches, yeah, and Star Trek is just like full, full, full speed ahead. I have a feeling Red Dwarf would score way higher on things like Take. <clears throat> yep, probably. <laughs> Uh, they have obviously have some execution problems yes. uh, production-wise, but yeah. hey. Uh, Dax just rubbing Quark's ears in front of everyone. We covered it. Yep. This uh, just works with three humans and two Bajorans and a Ferengi and a shapeshifter. It's just going to work. No problem. Not even one trail involved. No problem. <laughs> yep. Just fine. All of these actors really enjoyed this. They really made a meal of it. They hate their characters as much as we do, and they love to the small chances they get to play somebody else. Yeah. But especially Avery Brooks. Hit, Ooh, did he have fun with this one? His secret was that the serial killer, Joran, one, was a avid hobbyist, clocks, usually. <laughs> Two, yep. single dad. <laughs> uh... I always watch Deep Space Nine third. So what that means is that I'm watching two HD episodes and then Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so it always looks extra so shitty. I've, I've said it before that, hey, DS9 is not in HD and the same is true of Voyager. This episode looked extra bad. It looked like a cutscene from Mist <laughs> in several places. Yep. Like super grainy. Yeah. I don't know. I someone peed on the tape or something, and this is what they were able to recover. I think someone peed on the script. Uh, we ask, "What is the Federation?" Uh, here, I ask, "What are trills?" Yeah, just what are they? And then uh, everything we've ever seen about Curzon makes him seem like a nasty old creep. Yes. And then, uh, shouldn't root beer sound delicious to a Ferengi? They eat cave grubs. <laughs> That grow in caves and cellars? Uh, root beer sounds right up their fucking alley. Yeah, like, ah, oh, you mashed up some nasty old roots, you knocked them with a stomp or something, and then you got mojo clow or whatever. Yeah, but I guess... <laughs> I guess Quirk's got to complain about anything human, because he's mad about Nog. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned Ben gave a foreign characterization. Uh, his quick hitters, hot take, as he says Jaron, I think he means Jaran. Avery Brooks gets to tell Jadzia that she's only just a pretty girl and nothing more. I think he made it personal in his mind about the actress who is so, so poor. I think he enjoyed it. I mean, it is the weird subtext of this episode is that even at the time, Terry Farrell was getting a lot of heat mm-hmm. for just having been a model and not having been an actress. And she earned some of that heat. Yes. Because <laughs> even this sort of mid-tier TV show was punching above her acting weight, for sure. Yeah, they gave her one. They said, here's one for you. It's filler. It's not going <laughs> to be great, but maybe you can do something with it. And she doesn't do anything. Well, well honestly, there have been more Dax episodes than anybody else except Cisco. Have there been a lot of Cisco maybe episodes? Maybe Kira. There have been a few Kiras. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just hit... He he just he just did his, the solar sails. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was recent. He met Cassidy Yates. Yeah, but that was the B plot of that fucking episode where everyone was just like, "So I heard you're gonna get a hot date, huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have sex too, probably. I don't know how it works. I uh, you see, so actually, you're right. There there may be maybe Kira is the only one that there have been as many episodes of as Dax. Yeah. Uh maybe because they just. Just keep failing to land it. But the subtext of this episode was definitely the things that people are saying to Jadzia were being said about Terry Farrell. Yep. And this episode, again, asserts that it's not true. And maybe that people are just jealous because they're attracted to her. <laughs> maybe. So they got to take her down a Oh, notch. God. Was a writer doing a confession? No. Here's the thing. There's no evidence that that's the case. I think that was also an accident. Okay. I got some quick hitters. Uh, feels dumb to make the serial killer one go into the station commander's body, huh? Yeah, with uh, also where he might have access to like all the access codes yeah. and everything. And then it's like it's like in that episode where there were two Kirks, and then Spock just says the code at the end, and he's not he doesn't confirm that he's got the right Kirk or anything. He he yep. fakes her out once, and the second time he goes, "Okay, no, now it's really me though, for sure. It's, I'm really Cisco." And then the scene ends, and you just go, "Is it really Cisco?" Yeah. Yeah, you never see, for instance, the memories get transferred back to her, so we know Cisco's Cisco really again. Cisco? Yeah, it's not. Maybe this is all a long game for Jaron, and <laughs> Jadzia's just like, you know, I feel so much better after resolving all that with Curzon. I feel much less murder. It's weird, I don't even remember anything about the murder. That's real odd. Um, I don't want the answer, so don't bing it. But one of the showrunners was fucking the actress that played Lita, right? Like, that's why she's suddenly all up in here and everyone's talking about how hot she is and how she should be the new, new captain here and she turned Cisco into a race car and drove him around the Indy 500. I mean, doesn't it seem like it? I hated all of the small theater acting when these people assume new personalities. Um, Especially O'Brien. I don't know what he was even going for there. Odo has the whole station under constant surveillance, but doesn't bother to come into his own holding area when Joran slash Cisco gets free and attacks Jadzia for a long time. <laughs> I'm yep. sorry. He has the whole station under constant surveillance. He knew what Bashir had for breakfast and all that shit. But this f- Cisco breaks out and is choking Jadzia to death right in his holding cell and nothing. no one comes in. I don't understand. Um, That's it for me. Uh, I didn't mention it. I didn't get it in, but I gave best actor to Cisco and worst actor to O'Brien. I, I didn't. What was that? There was nothing about the thing that he was doing that was good or also 
just even anything. It's there's a character that will be in DS9 in the future that seemed like they're going for the same performance. This other character and O'Brien, but it's so far in the future. I won't even. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> One more, right? One uh, more. Yeah. So the deal is that we still have to talk about, even though we're at two hours and fifty three minutes, we still have to talk about the next generation. And it was our favorite episode of all time. Uh, <laughs> we watched the episode, Sarek. Ben's pick of the week. <laughs> Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. All right, let's do this. The Enterprise is hosting talks with a mysterious new species, the Lagarans, or Lagarans. Spock's daddy is coming on board, Sarek, to oversee the talks, but his staff comes on first and say, hey, he's crazy old and nobody should look at him or talk to him. <laughs> Lots of scary music over a very normal conversation credits. Jordy and Wesley are preparing the conference room and talking about Wesley's hot date when Sarek comes in and complains loudly that it's not ready yet. This room is not ready. He... Listen, they gave her the hottest possible name, too. Um... Suzanne Dumont. <sighs> yeah. That is a lady who fucks. For, for sure. sure. Uh, Even little Wesley's got a shot. Uh, Sarek uh, gets a bit agitated and his staff step in and go, <laughs> no worries, it's good, everything's good, let's go, boss. Nobody thinks any of this is weird. Picard goes to invite Sarek's wife, Perrin, to the ship's concert since he's already been told Sarek won't be able to make it. Uh, Sarek's wife says thanks and goes to check on Sarek, who can't meditate, hasn't been able to for weeks. Probably no big deal. Oh, wait. Wesley and Jordy <laughs> get into it in that same room with a lot of personal insults about who's better with the ladies. It's a lot of below the belt stuff for sure. It's a mean stuff that clearly they've both been thinking about for a long time. And Riker walks in and they pretend they aren't fighting, but they really are. Then at the concert, Riker and Picard talk about Worf putting Ensign Donato, Donato, mm -hmm. heir to the D Donato's Donato. pizza fortune, on <laughs> report for insubordination. Um, Sarek shows up after all, and the concert goes totally normal. No, wait, again, it doesn't. The music gets sad, and Sarek cries like a woman or baby. Uh, he's mad. He was told it was going to be a Mozart concert. <laughs> we were all told. We were all told it was going to be Mozart. It turned out to be some some other stuff. And then they, they did play a little Mozart, but then they played some Brahms and it made him cry. Very upset. He was so mad about it, he cried. Which is very un-Vulcan for people playing at home. He shouldn't, it's not, they don't cry. What a fucking... Uh, now, so, I, listen, It's a, <laughs> I know it's TV and it's written for a TV audience, but that's wild. <laughs> Uh, then Dr. Crusher bitch slaps Wesley, which is weird, so she goes to Troy to talk about it, and Troy says, this shit's going around the whole ship, everyone's just on one lately. Um, Sackith, that's one of the assistants who works for Sarek, he's asking Data all about Troy's empathic abilities and Picard's diplomatic background for no reason. Then O'Brien and some Aussie, I think, get into a fight over which fella gets to sit at a particular table and 10 forward, and it turns into a big brawl involving several members of the senior staff. Beverly and Troy say this shit all started when Sarek came on board, and they think it's Namco Bandai Syndrome, but can't confirm <laughs> it. 
Sarek. For, by the way, this is the one thing left in the galaxy for which they have to grow a culture <laughs> takes, from tissue several to days. diagnose an illness. And none of my none of my woo woo scanners know about Bendai. Syndrome. That's right. Sarek can't be replaced because of his special relationship with the Lagarans. So they go to his team and they go. That his team goes, how dare you? He's totally sane. The most sane. You could never find anybody saner. I'll let this go now. For Seriously, you got a lot of growing up to do. He's totally sane. Picard somehow knows Data's been spending quality time with Sackith, so he sends him to the guy to get the real story. Sackith immediately cops. Uh, gives it up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Just goes, yeah, it's the Bandai. He's got the bends for sure. Uh, then Picard and Riker get into a shouty on the bridge. And Picard goes down to confront Sarek. He asks Sarek to postpone the conference. Sarek refuses and learns for the first time that Sackith has been using his own telepathic abilities to help strengthen Sarek's mind this whole trip. Sarek tells him to stop and maybe fires him. The guy just walks out of the room after. Yeah, <laughs> he says it it'll no felt, longer be it necessary. It a little bit like a firing. Sarek and Picard are left alone. Picard goes over the evidence that this is Bandai Syndrome. He and Sarek get into it, and Sarek loses his shit and turns into a broken robot, which I guess is the proof. Fuck, get out of my notes! Sorry, Picard is... Sorry, it's the you shared them by accident, I guess. Picard is out of options, since canceling the negotiations could be a huge blow to this new alliance with the Lagarans. When Perrin comes to beg Picard to allow the talks to continue, Picard comes up with a plan to mind meld with Sarek to restore his stability. They do the deed. Sarek is himself again, and Picard goes on a wild Emmy reel of a ride. Thank you for showing me. <laughs> he does repeat a logical over and over again like a broken robot. Uh, anyway, after Picard's crazy scenes, Sarek uh, completes the negotiations and everything's back to normal. Sarek pieces out, and Picard has got a weird horny Vulcan in his mind forever. What was this beautiful episode about? Well, it's Ben's pick of the week, so let's start with yeah. him. He says, the advantages of age are offset by the downsides. Hmm. Sarek has spent a lifetime cultivating personal relationships that ultimately allow a treaty with the Lagarans, hmm. but at the same time, his control is slipping because he's getting old and ill with Bendai. It's a little parallel of a discussion of dementia, but they don't make a strong enough link to make that useful or instructive. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we're in the ball, same ballpark here. Uh, and he, that's a, a five for him. Okay. Uh, I think this is, uh, age and infirmity come for great men too. Mm. Behind the scenes, this was supposedly at least partially about what was happening to Gene Roddenberry. Ugh. Um, but presumably people weren't writing hit pieces about Sarah <laughs> Vulcan 10 years later. Say, is that why Sarah kept saying all that stuff about how you couldn't trust a woman? And all that. Yeah, so the writers were sad about Gene Roddenberry, and also they all had a bunch of... Because the writers were all 40-year-old white men, yeah. all of their old dads were failing, too, at the same time. Oh. And they were and they were sad about oh. it, and that's how this episode came to No, be. that's why I've been writing the episode I've been writing. I get it. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I'm no better. It all makes sense no, when you put it together. My like Star Trek that. fan fiction looks a lot like this, so... <laughs> uh, so it really is nothing about... Listen, it's coming for us all, and it's sad, but, you know, no, you're never... Everyone's still always going to respect him. <laughs> it doesn't for matter. Real, 100%. About, about the 100%. 100%. 100%. Nothing but love. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that's not much of a take, so uh, it's a four for me. I have. What do we owe 
the elders of society. Everyone's very worried about Sarek having this last win. Yeah. And actually, most people seem less worried about getting the job done. Picard's a little worried about it, and like, I don't know. Sackith? Do you think they set the stakes too low? (laughs) Well, the stakes are entirely unclear because we don't understand anything about the Lagarans. Yeah. Frankly, it seems reasonable that the losing this mission is maybe not that big a deal. It seems that way. They say they literally give one line. Let me see if I can find oh, well, it. They don't, by the way, they don't even spell it out. Picard's just like, imagine. He says. The benefits of an alliance with. <laughs> I have the line. The benefits of an alliance okay. with the Lagarans are incalculable. Okay. More on that, please. Could I know what that means? So, is it. Do they have a lot of money or do they have <laughs> good technology? I'd like to know. So actually, the stakes are entirely unclear. I have no idea whether it matters whether for, we have peace with the Lagarans. For one thing, the Lagarans have a cure for Bendai syndrome. <laughs> that would be a good start. Aww. Then it's, it is vital that we complete that mission. Um, so anyway, everyone's very worried about that and not really necessarily worried about getting the job done, which effectively raises this question. What do we owe the elders of society? It is a question, but at least it's a real one that we haven't seen 67 times already. So I gave it a five. Yep. That's not unfair. There is a lot of that. And it it happens. So Picard is obviously like, I don't want to walk down there. What would you have me do? Go down there and destroy the man? Right. I mean, he's a little emotional in that part, but yeah. And it does seem to be Data finally asking Sakath if he's willing for the mission to fail for him to come clean although he flips so he, easily he who wanted, the fuck knows and he was asking the, all those questions or he wanted to say something the whole time uh, he really did he he just uh, Starfleet doesn't have a good whistleblower program <laughs> it's one of those things like how there's apparently no rules about sexual harassment yeah where it must just be that most of the time people are just so good that you don't need to formalize it anymore but now he's in a situation where he has to do something yeah. and he's like there are Boy, it turns out there are just no... Pro- Sarah could just fire me. Yeah. There are just no oh, protections. Oh, he just fired me. <laughs> so he has to, you know, sort of let it slip. Yep. Uh, I can jump into execution here and then we'll do Ben's. Um, so this episode has, I think, a clearly framed question and also set it, it sets up that there are stakes, so they are unclear. There is an important negotiation. Don't ask why it's important. That negotiation is in danger because this old man is nuts. But saying he's nuts will humiliate him and canceling the talks will ruin his reputation. Everyone respects him because of his many contributions to the Federation for over 100 years. So how do you fix it? Well, here's where we run into a problem. Uh, They use the fake Star Trek science to fix it and then everything's fine. Yeah, it's a techno babble solution. Just mind meld until he's right again. So they avoid having to come down on any side of this question, which is bad. If you raise a question, if that's the take... You better, you better have an answer to the question. But they rarely do, huh? Well, the answer sure seems to be do whatever it takes to get him that last win. Yeah, get him the win, and then who cares? But who cares how or what it means? I mean, ri- literally, risk the mission, because we don't know if this mind meld shit is anything. It doesn't make sense on the face of it, and it makes less sense for it to be Picard. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, it, so it, it keeps it all a very general exercise. Yes, they deserve the chance to fulfill their mission if it can be safely done with no repercussions. Is not a real answer. Um, many other aspects of this episode are dope. Yep. <laughs> but I can't give a ton of points for refusing to answer the question that they raised. Uh, I give it a five. Um, Ben's a seven. Ooh. 
so he says it's funny that the setup is an extremely minor tension in the ranks of the ambassadorial delegation. Beverly slaps Wesley. Everyone's messed up, but it turns out it's all Sarek's fault. It's not clear why the yes. Lagarans are important, but it's just stated that they exactly. are. Picard is sacrificing possibly his sanity for this mission. It was tough seeing Picard a sobbing mess, but he was doing some good acting. He was certainly doing some hard acting. Uh, both actors actually channeled each other's characters well. Sure. So he is a seven. Sounds like mostly on the strength of the acting. Uh, and I don't disagree. Obviously, this is a big acting episode. Yeah. Picard gets one of his all-time scenes. It's. I mean, there's, there's a lot. Of you've happening. got. You've got this. You've got all of his minor speeches. The drumhead is a great one that I always talk about. Yeah. And then you've got there are four lights. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He made I a mean, few... like he's doing. He's doing a lot of acting in the one where he goes into the probe. I don't know why I can't remember Inner the light. name of that one. Um, Inner light. Th- yeah, I think you're right. This is this is an Emmy reel episode. Uh, uh, Chains of Command is definitely an Emmy reel episode. Um, and probably Inner Light too. Right, so, I mean, he's got one of his big scenes. Mark Leonard is just Mark Leonarding it up all over the place yeah, in this one. He's amazing. I require solitude. Uh, if they had just had uh, Katsulis yeah. or the guy who plays Aladar Jarok, uh, they could have fucked off from this set and just done Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, there's a... There's a lot of acting heat in this episode. It's true. Perrin's okay. The where we really fall flat is um his his aides. His yeah, aides Sackath do not bring a lot is, to the party. Sackett's a mannequin because he's a Vulcan, yep. and, and the other guy's uh, just like a Keemandrosen. I thought had played a character on Babylon Five, and I had to go look him up, and he did not. No, no, wait. He just seemed like a guy who should have been. He in Babylon seems 5. I, now that you mention it, he seems like that major major um can't remember his name do you remember the story behind that guy from babylon 5 they thought they were hiring the one actor but they hired another guy with the exact same name and then just kept him <laughs> that's who that mandrosian guy reminds me of now that you mention it yeah well isn't yes. that a wild the story where they, had, they thought they were hiring one actor <laughs> and another guy showed up and they're like who the fuck is this guy and they went oh my god he has the exact same name <laughs> and then they went well who i mean we're babylon yeah, 5 I... we can't complain they just kept him <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, that's who this guy seems like, but he's nobody. Um, So it's also, this is an episode about emotions. And it's probably best to engage with it emotionally because there are some logical issues. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It takes 93 years for Sarek to get the Lagarans to this conference. It's a long fucking time. And the conference appears to be three hours long. (laughs) They're very concerned with um, procedure, and uh, this is really is going to be the, the dotting of the I's, it seems. Yeah, it turns out that the treaty is just concluded immediately. Yeah. course of a single night, Sarek choosing Picard to mind meld with. Not his Vulcan aide, nope. who has already been in his mind, yep. and is also a Vulcan, and maybe can have, has some experience with controlling emotions well, again, and maybe could give him the specific kind of emotional discipline he requires <laughs> but again he fired him he did fire him um hold on a second though did we talk about why why is why did they decide to do it on enterprise why why are these why talks the conference why are on, these enterprise? Talks on enterprise again i don't know I don't they didn't want to go all the way to the lagaran home world or there's no they, you're right there's no reason okay. 
Uh, it's we know it's a big honor for Picard, and Sarek is real happy that they're doing it on the flagship. But we we don't know why. Okay. Um, there are a couple of nice touches in this episode, mm. and some generally well shot scenes. It's a deeply personal, low stakes episode, yeah. but no one acts like the stakes are any higher than they are, so it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. And frankly, it's another episode that only TNG could do. Uh, I think I have to agree. Um, I gave it a six. Okay. Again, don't leave logic out of this one and just engage with it emotionally because that's what kind of episode it is. What about the uh, world building? Yeah, world building. <laughs> um, Spock was maybe married. Spock. Yeah, Picard met Sarek at his son's wedding. Oh, unless he's got another it one. It might not have been Spock. Might have been Cybok. Really explicit that it's Did Spock. he go to Cybok's wedding? Well, I don't know, man. Did Cybok, Did Cybok survive, survive Star Trek V? Or does he get like uh, absorbed into God? I don't remember, but how crazy would it yeah. be if he met him at Cybok's wedding? That would be super wild. <laughs> it wouldn't feel like Sarek would really be acknowledging. He was pretty mad at Spock for just joining the Federation, and I know he had to come to terms with yeah, that. Yeah, being a religious zealot episode. and terrorist probably ain't great. Yeah, that one probably was pretty hard for Sarek. Uh, Legaren's like a really hot, hot tub. Uh, Bendai Syndrome, and uh, I think this is the first time we see an ongoing mind meld maintained over a distance. Yeah. It's happening. Like, it doesn't seem like what's happening could be the effects of the mind meld that just wear off naturally. Doesn't it feel like it's an ongoing mind meld that's lasting the entire run of the conference? I guess, to be fair, I always assumed it was effects after the mind meld, but I don't know. I, I There's no way to know. Because uh, he he comes out of it every once in a while to talk to Beverly. He's so it's not yeah. a constant. I I got the feeling it was After Effects, but I don't I don't actually know. Yeah, it's not made clear anyway. Uh, it's the standard three for me. This is kind of not a world builder. Yeah, Ben gave it a four. He said ambassadorial missions are stupid common for Enterprise. That string quartet is old and out of shape. <laughs> Wait, are they supposed to be like built? Yeah. This is uh, still TNG. Yeah, it's not an Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise they all have nine packs. Is that right? Is that yeah, a number uh, that's possible? You know, who plays the, you know who plays the cello on Enterprise? O'Brien. <laughs> that's right. Um, They must keep them on board only for this occasion. No, nah, dude, they just, for hobbies. They like hobbies. Nah, there. They're in one of the 400 science labs. Yeah, they have fucking painting classes and fucking, they're always doing, Data has a concert every week. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, the whole ship is a uh, flying talent show. He says, interesting to see 10 forward in full light. I didn't really notice. Wait, do you think Ben thinks they keep that naked lady on board just to be painted? That's her, that's her but only for a diplomatic painting. <laughs> that's right, only for a diplomatic <laughs> Um, And then he says Bandai Syndrome. Um, So it was a four for Ben. I have uh, the Lagarans who are all kinds of weird. The benefits of alliance with them are incalculable. Mind melding in order to restore balance to one's mind, Bandai syndrome and all those effects, how the Vulcans view mental and emotional illnesses. Not a lot of time spent on world building in this one. I gave it a two. Uh, how did you feel about characterization? It is a characterization episode. Let's see. Sarek has got a thing for Earth women. He married two of them. <laughs> yeah. He's fond of Mozart. He's 202 years old. He's got the Bandai Syndrome. Uh, he has indeed come to believe his family and staff are just overprotective. Which seems like a kind of a wild amount of fucking... Mental gymnastics? It's insane that he could think that, but okay. Um, 
Picard used to idolize Sarek. Um, he seems to be the only person besides Sarek and maybe Sacketh worried about this fucking mission. Straight puts his brain on the line. Wesley thinks these Lagarans are gross. <laughs> I mean, he just says it. Yep. Um, also, He's got some growing up. <laughs> also, yes, his personality ends up getting messed up because of Sarek, but those are all things he really thinks about Jordy because they're real facts. That's 100%. Because he says facts, I know he's not just lashing out. That is yep. stuff in his mind he knows about how he has to go to the holodeck to find a date or whatever. Jordy is so jealous of Wesley's dating life, it's crazy, like right on the surface jealousy. Boy, not only that, but I really felt like it was focused. Like maybe he has been rejected by Suzanne Dumont. I was going to say, he has definitely <laughs> barked up that tree and got the Christy Henshaw treatment. And Yeah, he definitely tried to feed her a bunch of Coco Nonos. <laughs> Um, Data plays Diplomat again, like he did with Tam Elbrun, this time going to Sacketh to get the real story. When they aren't beating each other up and shouting at one another, the main crew is pretty competent and professional, which is nice to see. Um, the acting's really good in this episode. I can't really put that into characterization. Um, I give it a six. Uh, Ben gave it a five he says everyone is acting out of character for much of this so technically not a lot i actually feel like it's little flashes yeah they they go into these episodes and then they come out of them and uh picard is laying his own ass on the line which is in character but not something we see uh, a lot of i uh gave it a five as well Uh, as is generally is pretty good the uh, Troy tries hard to establish that the fights are not the result of any underlying feelings the crew has. Yeah. And that keeps us from learning anything too interesting, like what the fuck crawled up Jordy's butt <laughs> about Suzanne Dumont. Yeah. Because I'm saying you can see the jealousy in that first scene before he's having a, a Sarek effect. It seems like it. He's starting I to mean, go. Sarek's already on board. Yeah. He, so it's, but, but he's yeah. starting to go down the line of jealousy and then i think realizes what he's saying and goes no i mean no i mean good job though i mean really good good uh, good for you you. for having the courage to ask proud of you i'm really proud that you're doing so good with the ladies though with the with the tits and the legs oh wesley i wish i could get the ladies like you do (laughs) uh picard does a good job of showing how little he wants to hurt this famous man but he also does a good job of being quietly insistent with him in that confrontation scene yeah of course that's the maybe the only scene that's just Picard and uh, there's just Patrick Stewart and Mark Lennon when he working together. Finally, turns him into a robot. So good when he robots him. Uh, Sarek of Vulcan. That's right. Would not be ashamed of a mental infirmity or whatever. <laughs> uh, Troy really underutilized. They do a lot of shots that set up that she recognizes that there's something wrong with Sarek, and then all of a sudden it becomes the Beverly Crusher show. Yeah. Well, Troy can only go so far, man. Even when she does the research, she just quits halfway, so. Oh, uh, they just fucking don't know what to do about it, too. Well, no, that is true. Will. <laughs> if we've already seen we've already seen that in uh per- peak performance yes. and we will We'll see it again in uh uh fucking mm, mm, Shaka when the walls uh, fell. Dar- Dar- Darmok. Um uh yeah, she would have got halfway through the research and she would have gone, That's pretty good, right? I quit. Yeah, I did enough. Yeah. It's not really my job. I'm supposed to be doing therapy sessions. Right. 
Um, quick hitters. Ben says, uh, Sarek really has a thing for Earth Girls. Eh, yep. We got, again, married two of them. It's too bad the fist bump hadn't been invented yet because Jordy totally wanted to do that to Wes after he asked out a hot chick way out of his league. Wes and Jordy really are good friends. They know just where to hurt each other. <laughs> right in the lack of sexual prowess. It really is the same attack. Yep. Um... Okay, so let's talk about Perrin. Okay. It's a sleight of hand trick, right? This episode, like, it's it's written about Amanda. Yeah. And then someone was like, well, she would be dead. It's like a hundred years later and she ain't Vulcan. And so they just had Picard say, who, like his first wife, is, a, is from Is Earth. a human. <laughs> I know that. And then it's just like, uh, because they needed something for Picard to say as Sarek in Act 5. And so... They made it about how he never could tell Amanda that he loved her, but they wanted to have... Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's it's obvious sleight of hand, and I'm surprised that although we all mentioned it, it didn't bother any of us, really. Yeah, what do I care if he likes Earth Girls? Who cares? Yeah. Make it his whole thing. I don't care. And also, this dude likes Mozart mm-hmm. and Earth Women, and he has a human chief of staff. There you go. He, so, Vulcans must eye him with so much suspicion. Yeah, yeah. this guy is... Loopy. Yeah. Those guys are real people. <laughs> uh, why the hell did Picard look right down the barrel of the camera before credits? <laughs> it was... Then he left it in and they probably went, okay, can we do it again though where you don't look here? Anyway, I did that on purpose. It's It makes no sense. So Sarek leaves. Picard is not quite facing the camera. He turns all the way around. Which means in scene that he's looking over in a corner behind where O'Brien would be yep. at nothing, stares right down the barrel of the camera for a long time. It's very odd. It's it was so if wild. If this was a, a video podcast, we could play that clip. Yeah. That is one worth hey, even if you're not gonna watch this, load up Sarek and just watch the cold open yeah. and watch Picard spike the lens. It's so crazy. <laughs> um I kind of sympathize with Sarek when he's in the conference room. I'd want all that motel art off the walls, too. That's right. Yep. And then I also sympathize with Picard when it becomes, when he's on the bridge in front of everybody. And it's, it be, makes it clear that he had had some fantasy mm. about how he and Sarek yeah. were going to become best friends on this trip. Oh, yeah. He's learned from Riker that this is just stuff you say out on the bridge. You know what? If you just come out on the bridge and say it, they can't make fun of you. It's like if you just if they just say name three adult movies That's and right. you just rattle three right off, yep. what are they gonna do? All right, you know names of adult movies, big deal. This is Korea. What about it? <clears throat> yeah, I said Madam Ma one, two, and three. <laughs> um I miss the good old days. I wanna we'll go back and watch them. We've danced around it. I love the idea that Wesley knows about Leah Brahms. I mean, everyone knows. Everyone who, knows. Who leaked it? Jordy leaked it. Jordy right? leaked it. We heard him talking about it in the fucking Barkley episode. Yeah, he told Barkley about it, but I don't think Barkley told Wesley. I'm just saying, that's clearly the kind of thing he brings up in conversation to make points. Yeah. Yep. I mean, hell, I've even fallen in love on the holodeck. Did I tell you, did I tell you guys about that? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Have I mentioned? Then he gets into it, and everyone goes, oh, hey, Me and Riker, we fall in love on Holodeck all the why time. Why can't he stop talking about this? Uh, speaking of Brahms, what's the deal? <laughs> they couldn't find a slow Mozart they piece that they thought could make Sarah cry. They have to play this Brahms sextet. They don't know anything, dude. That's what's up. It's not even the right number of instruments. <laughs> it's uh, also right, Data played Data, three of them simultaneously. It's not a big deal. Data did a real bad job of moving his fingers when you would be changing a note in the violin parts. Well, you're talking about how a human and listen, would play it. What do you got to do, right? But yeah. Like, I'm sure on Brent Spiner's resume, under special skills, it doesn't say concert violinist. <laughs> it won't even say, can pretend to be a concert violinist. Right. Well, he didn't do a good job. Uh, Beverly slapped Wesley so hard she had to go to therapy. Oh, yeah. She went right to therapy also, after that. I think that. she slapped him so hard it immediately snapped her out of the Bandai Syndrome thing. It really seemed like it, like right? Like the noise from it woke her up and she went, oh. Oh, I've done things I'm not proud of or happy with. I've never done anything so bad I immediately went to therapy. <laughs> that really got to her. Seriously, she just fucking walked right out of the room. Probably left Wesley just sitting there and just walked out of the room straight to Troy's office. Do um, do you think it hurt Frakes' pride to have to take that palm heel strike and go down? Especially with Worf just fucking uh, grappling with two dudes in the back. Yeah, yeah, Kirk would not have, uh, Shatner would not have allowed it, right? But he can't go down like a bitch Freak. to a to a sucker punch in that <laughs> fight scene. Frakes is kind of a loser, and the writers and everyone else have already learned that, and I think he's starting to learn it. I think Frakes yeah. is starting to learn that he's not, like, cool. Uh, let's talk about a great small touch. Mm. There's that fight scene. Yeah. We cut back. They're tending to the people in 10 forward, and they're going over the fight, yeah. right? House lights are all the way up. Yeah. They turned on all the Finally. lights in 10 forward to clean up the place. Yeah, they went, hey, um, normally we have the mood lighting on in here, but let's get this shit straightened out. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal, but they also didn't have to do that. They could have left the set dressed exactly as it is, but it does make it look and feel different that they did. And now that. I know they can do that. And yeah. now I'm, in future episodes, there will be instances where I wonder why the lights aren't on more. Hey, cat. Hey, shut up! Uh, I left the door uh, open a crack more than usual so he can get a little bit of his face in the screen <laughs> at me. I'll just say this. Uh, Yo, cat! No, you didn't say anything back. Yeah. Everyone in this episode takes their own swing at the pronunciation of Bendai Syndrome, huh? Yep. Also, the spelling is wild if you look at the close caption. <laughs> Sorry, he's made it all the way into the room. No! No! <laughs> No, he's going to ruin this great podcast, and we're already behind schedule. <laughs> um, it is the only logical solution. Not a mind meld with Sackett, etc. It's got to be Picard. Doesn't make any sense. And then, uh, I forgot how horny Picard's big speech is. Dude, he gets into it. He would like to t touch them, and maybe to feel them. <laughs> yep. There's a lot. It is for sure a lot. Um, and then Picard declaring Sarek's secretly held love with Beverly in the room and even having it so that he says, I love you. And then the very next thing he says is Beverly. Uh, it's a little bit corny, but it's also trusting the audience in a way that I think Deep, Deep Space Nine wouldn't. Yeah. 
Also, I love his delivery don't of it. Super draw attention because "Love You" spills out of his mouth like a fucking insane tide. Like when Odo says it and then clutches his head and goes down. Yeah, and goes like ah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's forces its way out in a different way here, but it's, it's equally good. Yeah. And also, uh, watch that scene. There's no cut. No. Peace do worked up the real tears. Oh, he fucking went for it. Yeah. I you. <laughs> when Sarek drops that one tear. Oh yeah. There's cuts that could have just put a little glycerin right there at the corner of his eye. I think they probably did. Uh, not in this case. Uh, well, he, again. He was going. He was acting for an Emmy. I, he did not get it. But and uh, finally, thank God, the negotiations only lasted a few hours, huh? Yes. Well, yeah. Yet again, the timelines don't make any sense in these shows. I gave uh, best actor to Sarek. Worst actor to Wesley. He didn't really do anything that bad. He was fine in his scenes, but you got to give it to someone. I'll run through mine quick. Um, I love Sarek's parting shot as he's leaving the conference room. These walls are too bright. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. You thought he was done, he is not done. Guys, fix this shit. Um I really, really talk about small touches. I loved Dr. Crusher already being at an eleven when Wesley walked into that room. Oh, she's so fucking pissed that Picard asked her the basic question, where's Wesley? <laughs> she is like I don't know what zone Gates McFadden got herself in to do that scene, but she has like, she's got a clenched jaw and she's got her hands all like worked up and she's just sitting there like staring at nothing and she looks so fucking pissed that when Wesley walks in, you go, oh no, go leave the room. Get out of there. <laughs> Wesley, don't hang around. What are you doing? Um, she's just like, when she called about his haircut that he missed oh, or was supposed to be at, that's what she was. She was like, she was there internally, but Bendai syndrome wasn't messing with her, so she kept it pretty cool. Also, we couldn't see her. She was probably... Yeah. She might have been clutching her fists and grinding her teeth right before she said, you're supposed to be at a haircut, young man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why doesn't Data tell Sackith to mind his own business? This uh, <laughs> Council of Troy is not a true empath. Also, would you say she's... She... Would you say she, You don't... If someone here was crazy, she wouldn't know about it, right? <laughs> also, would you say she's black enough to be president? <laughs> like, relax, dude. How empathic she is is not really your concern. It's not relevant. Um, all right, dude. Blues versus golds. Uniforms. Who you got in this fight? Uh, I mean, it seems like it should be golds, right? they might include like security. to be golds. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, even... If you're an operations guy, you've got to push stuff around at least. <laughs> if you're if you're just culturing stuff in a lab. That's true. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, your wife is a dear woman and works in a laboratory. Mm. How would you rate her upper arm it's strength a, or upper body she strength? She might be the weakest person I've ever met in terms of upper body strength. Look, of all the humans that I've met. Um, But what if I told you at least one of those blues was an Aussie? Well, it does change things for sure. <laughs> Because you know that guy gets in bar That's fights. That's his whole deal. And by the way, so I would love to find out. so does O'Brien. I would love to find out that neither of them was affected by Bandai Syndrome. Wouldn't that be great? Do you think Do you think that scene goes different if instead of, if Jordy, instead of going, well, oh, fellas, there's, there's plenty of tables. <laughs> if he had just gone, who gives a shit? Do you think that would have changed the whole thing? Like if they would have just went, oh, God, he's got us. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, he's got us right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marjan's note. Oh, this is violent. 
<laughs> and you saw the guy's head get smashed into the bar. <laughs> yep. They really went for a comedy bar fight. Yep. She also appreciated that there was a lady in there throwing some punches and stuff. Uh, there was a lady throwing a punch. She definitely knocked a dude out. During Riker and Picard's shouting match, Data reminded me so much of a character from Silicon Valley named Jared. The way he holds his hands out real meekly and he goes, Captain, Commander. <laughs> and like, you're like, man, Data is not trained yes. for this, is he? Uh, again, he's not supposed to have emotions. We're giving it a pass on this one, I guess. But He's not trained in any kind of conflict management. He is so meek and afraid to do anything. If they had started fighting, he just would have watched. He just would have gone, oh boy. Oh, what do I do? Oh God. Um, man, that's it for me. Let's get out of here. Wow. A long one. We did it. <laughs> the, uh, the scores this week are low. Well, I mean, I'll take responsibility. I mean, they're low. My average score is 12.4. Your average score this week is 11. I didn't score them high. I'm not afraid to say it. It's quite poor. Last place this week with 16 points. TOS, let that be your last battlefield. I gave it five. So, yeah, that really hurt it. it wasn't. That we were six points apart on that one, which was our high this week. But it week. only scored one in premise, so. But, by the way, being six points apart still means I only gave it 11. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was below average episode for you as well. In fourth place with 17 points, Voyager Day of Honor. Not a good one. Only two in characterization. Third place with 20, Deep Space Nine Facets. Each gave it a Not a great showing from each them. Each gave it a 10. Yeah. Second place this week with uh, 28 points was Enterprise with Damage, an unpleasant episode. Yeah, second place still being a below average episode. Yeah, still below average. And speaking of below average, the winner this week is TNG Sarek. 36 points is five points below the average for a winner. Mm -hmm. So it had a a weak competition. Yeah. But yeah, still a, it did what it needed a to do. A slightly above average episode, but certainly not uh, what you would expect a winner to be. And we should point out that last week's winner, also with 36 points, was the most toys. So two weaker episodes in, in the end of the yeah. third season of TNG. You wouldn't think necessarily those would get Just wins. sneaking yeah. by. <laughs> oh, God, next week's Menage Troy. They're not going to get a win, are they? <sighs> well, here's the deal. <laughs> they still have to go against the same series, so maybe... Uh, next week, uh, so that gives uh, TNG 26 wins. Yeah. Uh, there are nine episodes left of TOS, mm. and it is a nine-episode difference. Yeah, they ain't going to win nine. A nine-win difference, so uh, TOS would have to win out and also make up... A shit ton of points. Basically 300 <laughs> Totally points. possible in nine weeks. In nine episodes. Totally possible. So... They'd have to win by like 35 I don't a know, week. 35 points in a week. Yeah, no big deal. They can do it. <laughs> for the, oh, for the next nine. They weeks. can do it. So, <laughs> hey, maybe. Um, we are watching for week 71 uh-huh. The Mark of Gideon. Don't remember it. Yeah, me either. Menage a Troy. That's unfortunately, I do remember that one. I don't want it to win. I hope it doesn't. God, win. we're going to find out all the small touches in it are so amazing. Deep Space Nine season three finale, The Adversary. I kind of sort of remember that one. I think uh, Cisco might get promoted to captain. I think there's some business on the Defiant. Yeah. 
that's uh, that's what they're playing. Voyager by the way, by the Nemesis. Way, by the way, just to go ahead. The one after that, Worf comes to Deep Space Nine. Yes. So we're almost there. Then we'll have Worf on two shows at once. Yeah. Two different Worfs. Old really Worf is. and middle-aged Worf. It's 100% Worf. two different Worfs. Yep. Sorry. Uh, uh, Voyager <laughs> Nemesis. I don't know. Uh, all I know about that is that it is apparently the only episode of the first seven episodes that's not a Seven of Nine story. Yeah. All right. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> we'll see if that helps it or hurts yeah. it. And Enterprise, The Forgotten. Are we still fucking around? Can we end this thing? Is it, are they going to make uh, that rendezvous? Number one, they got to get to that fucking <laughs> rendezvous. still that warp coil. Can we just do this? Maybe the forgotten are all those aliens and <laughs> that shit. and all his buddies. Yeah. Oh, boy. He was so I nice. To say, he had him at gunpoint at the end of that, and he's just like, come on, though. Come on. Hey, man. Come on. Hey. Come on, though. I don't want to shoot you. You really going to do Look, this? Look, you know I'm not going to shoot you. Just don't take it. Come on. Oh, he left. Oh, he left. Oh, we're so oh, fucked. Oh, oh, guys, we're all God. so fucked. <laughs> we're going to have to eat each other. I felt so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, guys. Um, that's two weeks from now. Maybe. I don't know. What's next? Next week is Thanksgiving. We can probably knock one Next out. week is Thanksgiving. We can probably get a mailbag so knocked out and then also use the Thanksgiving holiday be to on the clock. watch some of these horrible episodes. Yeah, we should, we should be on schedule. So next week, uh, mailbag, um, fun with flags. Um, please, I've been seeing a lot of mail coming in, and that is good. That's at Brother Date on Twitter. Uh, brothers at Brother Date, if you want to send uh, .com. If you want to send us a not .horse. If you want to send us an email um how come we never got that dot horse address and then want to pay 40 bucks a but year i'll this is help already i'll a, pay this is already a money pit for me i'll pay the whole fucking thing i don't care i want a dot horse <laughs> um right. uh of course you can find us on itunes and on um i was gonna say StubHub. that doesn't sound right but just try it nah, try I, just search for us on StubHub and see if you can get tickets uh, you meant to say see if you get tickets to my living room or something only 10 bucks to get into the living room to see a live taping of this show um yes yeah, stitcher of course uh yeah so everybody will be back next week um anything else i think as we believe so shall we do so sh- as you believe so shall you shall do. you do gorgon what bow, 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 bow. hey guys uh, i'm writing this episode what other things are you sick of hearing the hippies talk about is there anything else? I'll put it in. I don't care. Uh, why are they working Vietnam in? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's, oh, that's a Vietnam. good point. They do say shit like that. Gotta dumb do. shit. Please subscribe.